Merry Christmas. We're just a few days away from Christmas. Happy holidays, Merry Kwanzaa, Happy Hanukkah, whatever it is you celebrate. But tonight's episode of Gravity Lab Radio is brought to you by Option Studios. Option Studios does everything when it comes to graphic designs. Check out Monty. Monty is our logo, is our little uh, guy. If you've ever seen the mad scientist in the Gravity Lab Radio logo, that is Monty. Monty, full set and done beginning to end, was conceived and designed by Option Studios. Option Studios does all the graphic design, all our flyers, all our brochures, you name it, they've done it for us. They do a bit of everything. They also do all the graphic design for the rating center. You see any of our banners, wind blades, pull-up cords, whatever it is you want done, Option Studios will take care of business for you. Option Studios probably best known for actually their pro jersey, performance designs, Apex Base, Velocity Sports Equipment, so many manufacturers and so many more to come use Option Studios as their choice of jersey manufacturer. When you want the best, when you want the best feel, the best comfort, the best fit, and the best look, choose Option Studios. Adam Buckner is the principal there. That means he's the guy who owns the joint, runs the joint, and he is the main designer. They have a couple other real cool designers. Buddy David Cherry, another gal, Elsa, Elsa Peterson, do great job and great work with Option Studios as well. But Adam absolutely cares and is very invested in each and every project he works in. I'm very lucky and blessed to have a relationship with Adam, and I get to see a lot of of what he works on and and to hear how hard he works, how hard he thinks, and and how personal he takes these projects. It means so much, and those are the reasons why the Rating Center and Gravity Lab Radio has chosen Option Studios to be our graphic designer. If you need anything done, you need stickers, you need pull-up cords, you name it, you got it. Check out Option Studios. Tell them DJ and Mr. P sent you. Get your pro jerseys made. You can only have a few made. You can have hundreds of them made. It doesn't matter. He will take care of you. Optionstudios.com, pullupcords.com. Hit them up. Check them out. You can find them on Facebook, Instagram. You got Google. You know what to do. We are also brought to you by The Good Guys Detail. The Good Guys Detail is a mobile detailing service based out of Austin, Texas, man. You got a whip, you got a ride, you know you want it to shine. Ladies, you know you want to buy your husband this last-minute Christmas present. Check out The Good Guys. Hit them up on the interwebs. Hit them up on uh, Google. Find them and get your husband a certificate to get that mobile detail, that mobile wash. They're mobile throughout Texas, but their shop is based in Austin. They do planes, they do boats, they do RVs. It's not just limited to your car. It's not just limited to your motorcycle. Drop zone owners, you want that little extra shine on your plane, not only do they do that detailing, they'll do a protective coat, a ceramic coating on your uh, on your plane, and it helps really get those extra uh, bit of dirt and dust off. It makes it easier to clean. It makes it easier to keep clean, and it stays clean longer. Check out Andreas, the boys at The Good Guys Detail, and also check out their newest project. They are expanding, and uh, he's opening another company, another brand. Um, I'll mess up the name, so I'm going to let him expose that over time, but they are going to be a Hydro Meal, uh, and, and I probably said that wrong, but it's a hydrographics company, uh, pro- uh, commonly known as Hydro Dipping. Uh, you've got skydiving helmets. That's probably going to be the most common use we see in skydiving. Uh, man, he has done some really sick stuff. I've seen a lot of the uh, test samples he's done, and he is making it look good. Check out the good guys detailing. Let them know that Gravity Lab Radio sent you. They'll knock 10% off any of the major services they offer. 
Tonight, we actually had Alex Dickerson. Alex is a good friend. Got to meet her as a very young skydiver and as a adventure athlete, skydiving as scuba diver, likes to go out, travel, and camp and hike. She noticed a lot of trash, a lot of rubbish, as that little British girl would say, throughout the environment, and it really perturbed her. It bothered her. And, man, we have a beautiful sky. We have a beautiful playground. We have a beautiful place to hang out and chill. But we got to keep it beautiful. Alex realizes that. She started a company called Sea Sky Surface. You can check them out at seaskysurface.com. And it's about bringing awareness. We're not perfect. We're not going to be able to just do everything by ourselves. And we're still going to have a, a little bit of a carbon footprint by jumping out of airplanes, by using some of the things we do. We cannot be flawless, but we can contribute to make a difference and we can make it better. So check out tonight's episode with Alex Dickerson. Loved having her here. Wonderful time. Find out what you can do to make a difference in your playground. I'm the target of a meat missile going 150 miles an hour plus. That got really <laughs> exciting all of a sudden. I'm doing canopy safety. Um, I drive like an Asian, so I don't know if it's the most appropriate thing ever. I'm killing it. Utah, give me two. You're listening to Gravity Lab Radio, hosted by DJ Marvin and produced by Nicholas Lott. Have we talked about skydiving the whole time? Lady and gentleman. What is up, Mr. P? How are you doing? Doing very well. Yourself? Dude, I am doing good. I actually got asked the other day what Mr. P stands for by Cola, and this you oh, regretted yeah? asking. So I'm well, going to have to ask now. Mr. Do you, do you want the no. long, yeah, the long oh. story or the short story? Short story is it means Mr. P. Can we penis. start this again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think penis was in the first sentence. <laughs> so the long story is... Okay, so long story. <laughs> Hang on. Uh, you know Braden Smith? Do you remember him? I do. He was I a tandem instructor at Skydive Space Center for quite a while. For anyone who doesn't know Braden, Braden was kind of our uh, missing link, would you say, in starting the podcast? Oh, for sure. He's someone that, if, if he hadn't moved away, he would have been on the podcast with us, probably would have taken my role in the podcast, and I wouldn't be part of it, for being honest. Yeah. But Braden had a nickname for me, Mr. Penis. I don't know why. I don't know where it came from. He just came into the video room once at Spaceland and said, Hey, Mr. Penis. And then it stuck, and then in front of other people, he would call me Mr. P for short. And so that made its way to the podcast. It's huh. on the back of his jersey now. It's what we call him on the show. For oh the LMB live feed, we refer to him as Mr. P. And uh, we leave it that for LMB. For There's got to be a reason. We've got to find Brayden and bring him back. He did make a surprise appearance on the show. Oh, he did? Yeah, oh. I can, I'll, I'll look up what episode it, it was. It was... Uh, very funny. Another thing originated from Braden's episode. Am I going to get super gross already? Yeah. We already said penis. Okay, so this is a, a conversation that's kind of made its way off the podcast. But okay, so <laughs> Braden... I need saving already. Yeah. Get me. Sorry, you. I don't know. You, you <laughs> asked... Mistletoe. You asked about Mr. P. I'm blaming so this on you. What's the safe word? Uh, Mistletoe. <laughs> Mistletoe is festive. Uh, have you seen Four Christmases? It's a Vince Vaughn movie, and every they go to mom's, his mom, his dad, her mom, her dad's Christmases. Okay. Mistletoe was a safe word to get him out of being there. I have seen that. Oh. Valerie and I are doing two Christmases, my parents and her parents, and mistletoe. Like, we were at my family's house. She kept saying mistletoe, or I would, and nobody else understood it. All right. Well, here, I'll give you the really short version of the story. Okay. I'm sure as a woman, you know the debate of back to front or front to back <laughs> when it comes to how you handle your business on the toilet. There was a, Braden told a joke. Because he's, he's got aspirations of being a stand-up comedian, told a joke slash story about front to back, back to front, 
And then it started a very long-standing debate on the podcast of proper technique. Oh, my goodness. We have carried this debate into dinners and involved our servers in these conversations. It's gone bad enough. So have you been back to those places? Or? Yes, we actually oh. have. We recently yeah, did. recently, yeah. <laughs> this was at the melting pot. Yeah, the melting pot, which uses paper straws. Good for them. And that brings us right into our guest tonight, <laughs> Alex Dickerson. Alex, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Alex, I first met you, uh, gosh, I think you had like 30 jumps when you first showed up at Spaceland Houston. I think it was less than that. But I think it was... I think it was pre-licensed because the first time I came down, I was off AFF status from cross keys. So I think I had actually about 14 jumps and came down all gung-ho and let me jump out of an airplane and, and got smacked down pretty fast and thrown in the STP program for a couple of jumps. Well, I never actually got to see that part of you because I remember first meeting you and you were very, very humble, very nice young lady. You're like, hey, I don't know much. I really need help with this. You were very inquisitive, is what I remembered about you. I'm trying to stay that way. Yeah, and well, that's I think kind of what brings you to us today is that inquisitive nature of yours. Mm-hmm. Um, what you've been doing lately has been very interesting. Is sea sky surface? Yes. What is sea sky surface? So sea sky surface, res- uh, it relates to the the sea, obviously the ocean, uh, the sky, the air, um, the surface being the land. So it's a company which is designed in order to share knowledge, share information, um, and show alternatives in products uh, to try and protect the earth, the air, the land, everywhere that we play. So, you know, as skydivers, we say that um, this, the sky is our playground. Yeah. We play in the clouds. We play in the sky. <coughs> um, you know, I like to do lots of other things. Lots of skydivers are very active. They like to do a lot of outdoorsy sports, a lot of scuba divers as well. So I kind of go with the idea that we we play in all these different environments um and that it's our our job our responsibility to to take care of them um and when i i started it up last july was when i actually started the company um my husband and i had actually bought a a pop-up camper at the beginning of last year and we went up to lake conroe the edge of uh, the national forest um, and there was just trash everywhere. This is in the middle of the forest, down a, a pathway, just where people camp, trash everywhere. It's getting into the water. It was being washed up just in the lake. I was like, this is pretty crazy. But I've seen that before. You know, People just leave trash when they camp or when they go to the park. Um, so we cleaned it up. No big deal. Um, and then I think the following weekend or a couple of weekends later, we went down to Surfside. And I hadn't been down there before. Um, so we went to camp on the beach. And... It was covered. It's atrocious. I mean, covered. I was just shocked that it wasn't that someone had set up and dropped a bunch of trash. There was that as well. This stuff was washed up. You could tell because it was covered in barnacles. It was broken down or broken up into into pieces. It was products that you don't necessarily get in America, which shows potentially where some of it's coming from. It was very obvious designs that we don't get here or colors and that kind of thing um and it was tiny pieces as well it was it was not it was whole pieces but then there were tiny pieces so you we picked up some of the big pieces and then as you start picking up those big pieces you get down into the smaller pieces and you're like well shit how far can i go because these are itty bitty tiny you can't get them up with your fingers they're so small pieces but it was all over the beach and the whole length of the beach um so i started then Reading, I went home, read up a little bit, because I, I knew there was an issue. There was, I'd, I'd seen, the kind of anti-plastic straw, 
stuff that's been going on. It's been definitely gaining a lot of traction, a lot of interest. Um, and I started reading up about it, reading around it. And it was, it was really quite shocking. The, the information that is out there, what we're actually doing and how little is being done to counteract it and how much resistance there is to try and counteract it. Um, and I just decided that there had to be a way or a way for me to help and to try and just at least help get the word out, get the information out there because I try and read a lot of stuff. You know, I, I watch the news, I talk to a lot of people and I didn't know anything about this. And I live, what, an hour, hour and a half from the beach. So I can't imagine people that live in landlocked states that don't usually see the ocean or the beach or anything like that. They see no impact whatsoever. So how do we get information to those people? So that's when I started working on Sea Sky Surface. I kind of want to take it to, to really the beginning for all of us. I say all of us. We're skydivers said and done. Mm-hmm. And I want to look at <clears throat> what some people might call the elephant in the room. And what we do as skydivers can be potentially, not potentially, it, it is very wasteful. So my, my helmet's made of plastic. My parachute's made of petroleum-based products. My mm-hmm. container. I jump out of an airplane that's burning jet A. We, we have such a large impact on our environment as skydivers. And by all means, I ain't going to quit skydiving. I love it. Right. I absolutely adore it. And, and there's other things I like to do. Uh, my wife and I love to backpack or, or go hiking and mm-hmm. go through the woods. You know, the surface part is very huge. The sea part is very huge for both of us. Mm-hmm. And, and we, we have this huge impact. And, and so often I hear friends and people talk about like, oh, what difference does it make? And I've heard these mocks of, oh, the straws, this, the straws, that. And yeah, man, straight up legitimately, I might make just the smallest little impact but the drop of water and the ripple effect from the waves there, the all right. of us start putting those drops in, all of us start having an effect. By no means do I think, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I've, I've known you well enough, you're not talking about we should quit doing the things we love, but we should compensate by doing other things to, 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 to save and to nurture the things we love, being the sea, the right. sky, and the surface. So we, we, we as a group, as skydivers, yes, we have a huge carbon footprint. You know, just the jet A alone, just to get to altitude, ridiculous. Like that, you know, that's insanity. We're taking airplanes four, five, six, seven, twelve times a day. It it it's a huge a huge impact. Mm-hmm. I'm not telling you to stop. No. I'm not telling you to stop what you do. I'm just saying that we need to take care of the planet in as many ways as we possibly can. So if you're causing this impact over here how about looking and seeing if there's a better choice that you can make somewhere else um where you can make a more positive impact on the planet um there are a lot of people there's a lot of um discussion about zero waste lifestyles and it's it's a big movement um basically seeing how little you can possibly get away with using or, or throwing away um and if people try to do it and come up just slightly short they get castrated you know completely ostracized oh you're not you're not living the zero waste lifestyle and it's like, well that's ridiculous because now you're forcing people to not even try they don't even try and make a difference yeah. and it's really 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 simple things that can make such a huge impact that are so simple um and i think one of the things that people don't get the most is that if you stop buying it they stop making it it's that simple. If you don't buy plastic straws, they don't make plastic straws because there's no money in it. These companies are in it for profit. If you don't 
I'm not going to make a product that people don't buy. What's the what's the point in that? Like, if no one's going to buy it, I've got to what store it, then dispose of it because nobody bought it. I've lost money. There's, I mean, there's a million different um, examples of things that stop being produced because no one wants to buy them, um, and that consumer power. People think, well, what good? What good is it that I do something? It's not going to do anything. Just from me. Um, doing this I've got multiple people friends friends of their friends you were talking about the ripple effect have just text me randomly out of the blue saying hey I remember to take my bags to the store today or um, I did this today or oh this they were trying to give me two straws with my drink today and I told them no and they put them back in um, and people are like excited and proud and they want to say hey I did this and and they're interested and they want to say hey I managed to do this and and then their friends do it when they see them doing it and it's a huge effect um, did I say ripples out? It's it's straight up in effect. <clears throat> Today I went out and I uh, was running errands and I was grabbing lunch. And something a lot of people don't know about Mrs. Marvin is her degree is environmental science and management. Mm -hmm. That's her undergrad. And she is a huge hippie. I'm a hippie said and done <laughs> in the background. And we both have this love of conservation of environment. And yet we go to restaurants and we use straws. We go out to eat and we use straws. Right. And actually Sea Sky Surface actually straight up you had had an impact on me over the last while. I keep seeing these straw conversations and these other plastics, and we're going to get into all sorts of these conversations. Mm -hmm. And uh, we talked just a little bit ago at dinner, Nick, myself, and a couple of our other friends, they had paper straws. Mm -hmm. And actually that dinner, Nick, reminded me, and we talked a little bit at that dinner about you and about what was going on with you, uh, Sea Sky Surface. But from that dinner on, I've been much more aware of my use of straws. That's good. Um, now, my, our, Valerie and I's use of plastics are pr we're, we're decently high aware overall. Mm -hmm. But that ripple effect once again. And one thing that I, I want to pull back to, I love that what you say is, yeah, there are people who live a net zero lifestyle and respect to them. That That is their right, choice. Exactly. It's their choice. And that's uh, that takes that takes dedication. I can't do it, man. No. And the thing that I love that you've said, the thing that I love that Sea Sky Surface stands for is we're not pushing a net zero lifestyle. We're pushing effect. Right. Do something. You don't have to have the best. You don't have to be the best. But do one thing. And that one thing will add up. And well, that, that one thing as well can be as much of an effect as stopping that thing from being produced. If enough people do it, then it stops being produced or an alternative that's better is produced and then that becomes a new norm. And that's a huge effect. Not just stopping using the the offending item as you know would call it. Now with the plastic straw thing, I'm gonna jump in before people <laughs> tend to get bent out of shape about plastic straws. Flexi straw. Bent. Flexi straws, <laughs> yeah. Um we call it the it's like the gateway drug. People say realistically, um, how much effect does cutting out plastic straws have? Probably not that much. I'll totally give that to you. There are, when you clear up a beach, there are a lot of straws. I'm going to tell you there are a lot of straws. But no, it's not the biggest issue at all. But the fact that the plastic straw ban and the plastic straw um, situation of, of people having this issue with it came to light, that was one of the things that got my interest and got me to read more about it. it it's been in the news so much the last six months that it may not be that much of a big deal that plastic straws are or are not used. That's what has got the conversation started about the wider plastic problem. And I think that's what's more, most interesting about the straw thing. The other thing, and um, this is where I have to be quite careful. I'm not making any judgments on Britain or America being better than one or the other. This is purely a, a data-driven... We're better. 
America. America, America, America. America clearly is greater. <laughs> I was born in England. I got here as fast as I could. Um, uh. So I didn't grow up drinking out of straws. Culturally different. I don't know. I moved here. Straws are in everything. And it was very strange to me. It's like I didn't grow up drinking out of uh, McDonald's. I guess we'd have straws. We don't really do fast food and convenience. And you know, it's a lot more laborious living in the UK. Um, so th getting people to stop using straws, I, I couldn't believe how hard that was because people wanted, people wanted straws with their coffee, which confused me a lot. Um, I was in a restaurant with some friends having brunch a few weeks ago. And when the lady bought the, the waters, I said, we don't need straws. And one of the girls I was with said, I want a straw. I was like, that's fine. You know, I'm not going to sit and have an argument with you about straws. Um, have, have you straw? Um, and I just said, can I ask why you have to have a straw for your, for your glass of water? And she's like, well, I don't know where this glass has been. I don't know if they cleaned it. <laughs> I'm like, but you're going to eat your food off that plate. And it was most likely cleaned in the same place as the glass was. And that's, I didn't understand that, ra that rationale particularly. So I, d I do have plastic straw alternatives for sale on the website. Um, my alternative is don't use straws. I don't see the use for them. If you love them, I totally get it. There are alternatives. Paper straws, in my opinion, are fine for like one time. They can suck because, you know, they get mushy and bendy. Like if you're supping that drink down pretty fast, great. Man, we... How long were we at dinner the other night, Nick? Two, three hours? Yeah, I think three and a half. How'd you, how'd you straws do? Fine. It really? was rock solid the entire way. Not rock solid, but Perfect. It perfectly usable. Right. Didn't have to replace it. It was really, really a, a solid product. Uh, the one thing that you said that makes me laugh is I used to think the same way. Um, I, I spent a long part of my life being very germaphobic, and over mm -hmm. time I've, I've overcome a lot of these obstacles. It's probably why you're sick now. Um, yeah, exactly, man. <laughs> so... Um, one of them was, is I, I'm not going to put this glass to my mouth because where has this glass been? But the water is in the fucking glass, Yeah, people. you're drinking, <laughs> you're drinking <laughs> the stuff in the glass. It's like... Where, it's where, not what the dirt's just on the rim. Yeah, it's <laughs> just the rim was the dirty <laughs> part, just the rim. So it, it really makes me laugh when, when I think about that becoming the problem or mm -hmm. that being the issue. And, and for me, it's... I'm now over it. Now I can just, just drink straight out of the glass. Mm -hmm. Um Every now and then I'll hear a legitimate argument for people. My mother-in-law had teeth issues. And I have no issue with that whatsoever. So people that say that they need straws for if they, they have issues with eating or drinking or disabilities or anything like that. I'm not saying get rid of all straws. Have straws available. Just don't freely give them out. with Because I've sat at dinner and had three, four drinks and had three, four straws. And between you know four people having dinner, that adds up pretty fast. You know, 16 straws over two hours. And it's crazy. They'll bring you a fresh straw every single mm -hmm. time. It's a, it's a reusable straw. You, right. can, you can use it over and over again. It's plastic. It's not going away. So here's the nuts thing that I've found. So we go to the Astros games quite a bit. No. Um, Justin, wish you were here. Um, and so I reuse my glass. When, I, when I, they give you a plastic glass for, for your drink, um, I go back to the bar to get another one Say so you can use my glass again so I don't have to get a new one. Their policy is that they have to pick up a fresh glass and throw it away they, if you're reusing a glass. And I didn't realize this until I caught them doing it because their glass numbers have to reconcile with the amount of drinks sold at their point of sale. Stupid. So I reused my glass, but I literally saw them then pick a glass up and just throw it in the trash. I was like, what the? Like, what just happened? So I'd, I'm not quite sure how to deal with that yet. 
Man, that is crazy because I, I wonder because I know you're a big sports fan, Texans games, mm-hmm. uh, Astros games. As a matter of fact, putting the promo pictures together for this uh, for this visit, I had a hard time because there was a <laughs> couple really cool shots of you I wanted to use. I'm like, well, there's a plastic cup and that's really against yeah. what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. So I had to avoid those. So I was wondering right. how it was working out. So that that's it's one of those things where again I'm I revert back. You cannot be perfect. I mean, I am going to go to Astros games. I'm going to have a beer, <coughs> and it comes in a plastic cup. And hey. I'm I'm not well, you know, <laughs> you know, I'm not allowed to bring in my own. The Astros actually, I, you might be able to bring them in. They're a little more lax because I know you can bring in food and drink, um, food and, and water, I believe. Um, the Texans are super super strict. Um, and they do the same thing. Toss a cup if you bring it back. So I don't know. I'm not going to go there and just not have a drink. I'm really curious you know? to like what other stadium policies exist out there because there are definitely stadiums and places that are a lot more environmentally conscious. So the Astros have recycling. I'm going to say bins, trash cans um, all around the concourse. They have and you can separate into recycling and trash. Mm-hmm. Texans, nothing. The, I found one main like waste can in the parking lot when we're tailgating that had recycling only, but people were just throwing everything in. Um, so I don't think that actually would get recycled or not. But So I think Minute Maid doing better than Reliant NRG, which everyone it is now. Oh, yeah. I would wonder what yeah. would happen if we looked at uh, a candlestick or, or I forget what 49er Stadium is like right what's now. What's Candlestick? Candlestick Park. Uh, candlestick Park is, I don't think it's called Candlestick Park anymore. Um, but San Francisco area, okay. Portland area, a lot of these places, because let's be real, Texas right. is not an environmentally friendly or aware area as a whole. Correct. Uh, definitely, we're a lot more environmentally aware than I think some people would give us credit for. I would agree with that. Um, the city of Paraland, where I live, um, they are, it's, they have a very good recycling policy. Mm-hmm. But we, we'll go to that recycling bin conversation for one second, because Valerie, part of her degree back to is environmental science and management. Mm-hmm. Uh, her master's is urban planning because she wanted to be involved in city government and local structure and local level a policy to affect the green lifestyle. Okay. And so she has been highly involved with waste management, which we'll talk about poo water all we want, but also recycling center. She's worked and been involved with and helped with the city with these. She's still doing that? Um, she does not work with those, although she's still very aware with a lot of those. Hmm. She works uh, with what's called an economic development corporation mm-hmm. that helps uh, major businesses uh, come into the city. Gotcha. So like Mitsubishi has built a, a plant here recently. Valerie helps them integrate into the city, helps m- make sure the infrastructure is there. Capital improvement program, roads, bridges, part of the 288 project she's working on. So you can cuss her. Thanks for yeah. uh, thanks for that joy on the way down. Hers is <laughs> off the freeway. Hers is what the city connects to Got that. You. So, um, But the thing that I've learned and the thing that she knows because she visits these plants is when you recycle – if there's any dirty uh, recycling products, they throw the entire yeah. batch away because it's contaminated. Mm-hmm. So if you are recycling and if you are using these recycled bins, is a word we use in America for recycled bins. Okay. Not re- uh, trash cans are for trash. Bins are for recycling is okay. kind of a, a, a common verbiage. Yeah. Um, you really need to actually clean it out. Uh, I Val would give me grief because I wouldn't rinse out a glass jar. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't rinse out a can. And I, I asked her very politely and legitimately, like, does it matter? And, she, and thank God she takes it well. She's like, that's a legit yeah. question. Yeah. She's like, yeah, it does. Because if you take that salsa jar mm-hmm. and it's got remnants, just crusty remnants of salsa in it, now that's contaminated and anything in that bin is contaminated and they're going to trash it all. 
And if you actually go and, and look and Google, I actually watched something on, man, I want to say it was 60 Minutes the other night. Um, it's very interesting to see how much recycle, uh, things in a recycle bin go into the trash bin instead mm-hmm. as they're going through a conveyor belt and doing that. Well, I think it's only about 9, I believe it's 9 to 11% of recyclables are recycled. Yes. And that includes the stuff that is put into recycling, as you're saying. And it's just, it's not correctly, it's not dealt with correctly. So it's just, it's trashed. Um, it's knowing what your local um, provider will take because some places will take pizza boxes as doesn't. Um, mm. You would think they would. It's a big, it's a big cardboard box. It's the, the contaminated grease in it. It's the grease in it. They yep. won't take it. Um, as that actually doesn't take glass anymore because we're outside of um, the city of Houston. Um, so I now I take all my glass down to a there's a, a bottle bank on I ten at the Beltway. So I drop my but it's you know it's an extra it's a forty minute trip to get there and back. But so a lot of people I get that's a that's a big hassle. So I wish that they would bring the glass recycling back um, to where I am. I know they did just bring it back in the city um, a little while ago. More, It seems more and more cities are, are doing it. And if you're at home and you are recycling, first of all, kudos to you. If you're not, mm-hmm. I'm not going to condemn or judge. I'm not, that's not my place. My right. place is to do my part. And, and kudos to you because you and Mark, I think, are in the same boat. You're doing your part to raise awareness, not to judge others, but to at least right. let people know these are going on. But if you are recycling, know that A, you need to usually have clean recyclables mm-hmm. and B, know what your city's policies are because Paraland used to be very different. We used to have separate things and that would really highly affect. I know here every week after the podcast, I actually go through my trash can and I have to take out cans and bottles from Justin and Nick <laughs> in our trash can. I don't know if you knew they, this. They don't recycle aluminum here? They do. Okay. But you put, uh, I, I pull out kombucha bottles every show. Oh, you mean you pull them out of the trash to put into your recycling? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I guess. Uh, and both you and Justin. Uh, Justin actually figured it out because I, I have never told you guys. I don't, I don't care. I mean, I care, but I'm not going to give you shit over it, man. It's like he cares enough to tell you in front of like hundreds of thousands of people that's that are fine. clearly listening. Dude, right there's like mind. two million yeah. people watching this right now live. <laughs> What's up, two million He's calling people? Calling you out. Yeah. Um, but know what your uh, company, your city, your whoever's mm-hmm. policy is. And then at the same time, the thing that I hate about public recycling bins is how often do you see somebody walk by a public recycling bin and just throw in rubbish? Oh, yeah. I mean, just straight up garbage. Was rubbish mm-hmm. a good word rubbish, for Rubbish, I like yes. that. <laughs> I love the word rubbish. It's one of my favorite words. Uh, just throw straight up garbage in there, man. It's like, dude, that, that said and done, hopefully that event place, hopefully that venue has somebody who goes through and they clear mm-hmm. it and sort it, but I doubt it, man. Well, that, that pisses me off because it's, not only are you not helping to fix the problem, you're actually contribute. You're actively contributing to it. And most likely, there's going to be more regular trash cans than there are going to be recycling bins. So you actually went out of your way to to mess that up. It and it's it's hard to say that. I agree with you. It's yep. hard to say that because out of your way, um, unknowingly, it's not like you're doing if it nefariously. Un- if it's unknowing. Sure. Uh, yeah, and that's fair yeah. because I'm positive there are people who look at it and go, ha, 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 yeah, yeah. I'm an asshole. Right. I do believe, and I'll give the majority of people I see the benefit of the doubt, that they just see a trash can and they that's just throw true. it in there and they I'll don't know better. Because ignorance is something our society is great at nowadays. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. We're wonderful at at some point, I want to branch off, but I want to sit on the recycling and the reuse moment because mm-hmm. one thing that's very interesting is for many years, China was the number one consumer of recycled plastic. In other right. words, in America, 
all our plastics were sold to China. Same in the UK. We were exporting them to, to China to deal with. Now you say were. Were, yes. So recently China has decided we don't want all of this plastic mm-hmm. rubbish from everybody anymore. And they've shut it down and now it's going to other countries, uh, the Philippines, Cambodia. Malaysia's just taken a bunch. New Zealand, I know, is shipping it to, to Malaysia and now they're not too happy about that either. And back to it only like, and, and I know it's less than 10%. You had a more specific number okay. of these things are really being recycled. I think mm-hmm. you said like nine. It was nine, nine to 11, I believe, I mean, okay. depending on where you get your statistics from. And so it's an extremely small number. So absolutely, we're not making as big of an impact recycling as we want to. Mm-hmm. But with if we weren't doing it, we would be making no impact. Correct. The more we do it, the more the impact that will be felt. Mm-hmm. And one thing that amazes me is... Once upon a time, Valerie and I didn't recycle the way we should. Mm-hmm. And the amount of trash that goes to our curbside versus what it is versus what it was is night and day difference. Same. A two-family house, as a matter of fact, uh, next door to me is a single person. She, she's a single lady, wonderful neighbor, wonderful person. Uh, the amount of trash she puts out compared to us is significantly greater. It's pretty crazy. Two doors down. It's a single lady with a family who visits here and there. Again, two to three times the amount of trash it puts mm-hmm. out. Um, man, it, it makes a huge difference. Uh, Have you ever seen the movie Wally? I love Wally. So Wally. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that's how I picture the world. Like if we keep going at the current rate of just consumption and just throwing the single use and throwing away single use, is because everyone says, well, it doesn't really matter. It's if it's in a landfill, it's not getting into the ocean. There's only a finite amount of places you can put it. So, I kind of see us because we're doing this exploration to Mars. Um, you know, we're all going to up sticks and jump on a Tesla-sponsored spaceship and like head over to like Mars or just spin around in the universe while these robots try and clean up our mess. But um, I feel like there's probably a better use of money and resources, maybe trying to stop that happen. I, I, and I definitely, I think you kind of put a weird spin on the uh, mission to <laughs> Mars thing. Uh, interesting, next month we're actually going to have, uh, you know, Randy Morgan jumps at Spaceland? Yes. He yeah, is yeah. in flight exploration with NASA working really? on uh, moon and Mars missions. So we're actually going to have him. Wow. Very interesting what we're going to be doing in the next couple of years as NASA, not just now uh, Elon, but NASA wanting to get to the moon and Mars as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that, that renewable re- or, or that plastic in our landfills, man, it adds up quick. So fast. Yeah, look up what it takes, and you might be able to share some information on what it takes to break down plastic. Because biodegrade, people say plastics will biodegrade. No, actually, it does not. That's, that's an impossible term. So interestingly, like people have started challenging even using that expression, uh, break down. Yes. Um, plastic breaks up. Um, it, actually, it doesn't disappear. It breaks up into tiny little pieces. Um, it's, I mean, it's, it's significant amounts of time. It's every single piece of plastic that has ever been produced still exists today. It's things that serious bits of plastic, you know, not, not tiny pieces of plastic, but, um, say a big considerable amount of plastic. You're talking about centuries. You're talking about hundreds and hundreds of years until this plastic can probably have disappeared. We don't know because we've only been, the first plastics really were made in like 1907, um, so we don't actually know how long it takes for them to, to fully break down. This is all theoretical. Um, I mean, it, it's crazy. I mean, we've, we've also made more plastic in the last 10 years than we have in the last century. So we're not slowing down production 
um, it's just, it's getting just more and more and we're consuming more and more and it's, it's got to go somewhere. There's no away as, you know, David Attenborough, famous, Sir David Attenborough, I'm sorry, very famous <laughs> British guy, um, says that there, you throw something away, there, there is no away. It, it's still here. It's still, every single piece of plastic, as I say, is, is, is still in existence. As you guys were talking about the uh, plastic straws and you kind of attached the caveat of like, yeah, even if you saved all the plastic straws, maybe that's not the biggest thing. It got me wondering, what are the uh, most common types of garbage that are washed up on beaches in the ocean? Mm-hmm. I, got a, I got a top eight list if you guys are interested. Uh, yes. Any, any guesses before, before I read this list? Is this, so wait, is this, is this the, the plastic that this is says found that in the eight ocean? The most common types of garbage found in the ocean. So I want to guess first because I think you know. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I want to say bottles. That's Kay. not number one. Um, I'm not going to be in order. <laughs> bottles is on there. Straws is on there. Bags is on there. Um, I give up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can probably just guess the top one is, is fishing debris. The, the, that's actually not on this list. It's but that th- that this makes up a fifth or 20%. This, is, this is from uh, banthebottle.net, so I'm okay, sure they so have a, uh, a little bit of... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they might have a little bottles. bias of the points they're trying to prove here. So I'm going to say so big bottles, little bottles, medium-sized bottles. <laughs> <laughs> All the bottles. bottles. <laughs> well, they've summed it up with plastic bottles, plastic bags, cigarettes. I yep, was surprised by that butts, one. Yep. Food wrappers, yep. plastic utensils, straws, beverage cans, Paper bags and uh, styrofoam cups is in parentheses here, but it didn't make the top eight. Hmm. I'm inter- interested if they put paper bags, but I suppose that's because you would think that would be that would decompose more quickly. Uh, yeah, especially floating around in the ocean, mm. it, it is absolutely amazing. Um, you know, it brings us back to seaside or surfside, and then going e- even to Galveston. We mm. live very close, and you say an hour and a half here. We're twenty thirty minutes right. away from Galveston. And just walking down the beach, and and for me, there my initial thought, my immediate thought, walking down this very public beach in a very um, congested, populated area, mm-hmm. is well, this is all from us. But as you mentioned, uh, a, a lot of it has foreign labels on. A lot of it has mm-hmm. foreign things on it, and it's not attacking or saying anything about other countries. What it's saying is that's how far away it has to come from to get here. And that's true, and it's not just um, other countries, it's other states. Um, the way that the, the tides work um, in the Gulf, it's kind of the same as the Mediterranean because we're, it's surrounded by land on basically three sides and then it's got a bunch of islands blocking stuff. Um, the way the tide comes in and the, uh, the currents, mm-hmm. um, it, it gets stuck in a small gyre. There are five major gyres around the world, so the Pacific Garbage, garbage Patch uh, is in one of the major gyres. Um, the Gulf Spell gyre for me. G-Y-R-E-S. Okay. Um, a lot of the trash that's in the Gulf of Mexico comes from the Mississippi. Um, so actually, a lot of the waste is coming down from the states that surround the Mississippi on, on all sides. Mm-hmm. Um, so it comes from there, and it gets stuck in the Gulf and, and swings around. Um, it also comes up from Mexico and Central America as well, which is where the foreign label stuff comes from, which was pretty nuts to me. I mean... I was just, I couldn't believe where it was all coming from. I mean, I had to look it up and, I mean, you don't really know. You can you can make your best guess, but it's it's pretty nuts how far that stuff is actually traveling. And, and people say, you know, well, I don't live anywhere near the beach. How can I possibly be contributing? It's every waterway um, is 
every every river leads to the ocean and it's very easy for it to get into the ocean look at a satellite image of the gulf of mexico and look at where the mississippi enters the gulf of mexico mm -hmm. and you can just see the color of of dirt and yeah. silt that's going through and in that dirt and silt is also plastics and papers and yep. everything that we've mentioned and it, it's you say this and right like i, I had this sudden epiphany like oh, holy shit that makes sense right but like man that should have just made sense from the beginning well i'm going to caveat as well because um one of the arguments that people come up with which i do agree with um to an extent um is saying that so, so to give you a roundabout figure, there's about 8 million metric tons of garbage which makes its way into the ocean every year. The U.S. is only responsible for about 0.3 of that. Um, Asian countries, be that China, India, Indonesia, Thailand, Vietnam, and there's one other which I'm going to forget. Philippines are responsible for about 90% of it. That said... The U.S. is therefore responsible for 300,000 metric tons of garbage each year going into the ocean. That's not, an, that's not a small amount. Um, so when people are saying, like, how much of a difference can I actually make? You can make 300,000 metric tons worth of difference per year. Um, and my argument with them saying, well, it's all in China or it's all in India. I have no number to give you about what, our pr what the production numbers are, but how much of our stuff is manufactured in China, in India, in Indonesia. That's our production. And we, ship, we, we outsource it to these countries who are developing. I don't like to use the term third world, but developing countries who are far behind us. They don't have the um, infrastructure and resources that we do or the knowledge of how to do this better. And also we're banking on them being able to produce these things more cheaply than we can in the U.S. That's why we outsource it over there. So therefore they do skip, skip corners. Um, and then they're now responsible for the leftover trash and they don't have the resources to deal with it. So you can say, yes, it's, it's China mainly and India mainly, but that's, we have a responsibility to that waste. That is still our waste as well. And the ocean is one big interconnected system. It's not oh, well, it's, it's over there, it's not a big deal. That makes its way all the way around the globe. So as an apparent world leader, we're, we're supposedly, you know, America number one, woo, um, <laughs> we should be leading. We should actually be helping these countries because it's not just helping them, it's going to be helping us. It's going to be making our food sources healthier. It's going to be um, keeping our reefs safe. Like These are all things that are affected by plastic being in the ocean it's it's killing animals it's killing birds it's killing fish the reefs are dying from it because um bacteria that's present with plastic is like it's like 89 percent worse off this bacteria that grows that kills reefs than in a in an area that doesn't have plastic pollution um they're finding plastics in one out of four fish sold in the u.s now um which is mind-boggling to me um and we're just destroying ecosystems and populations that have reliance on um, the ocean as their primary protein source, which is about 2.6 billion people. So a third of the world relies on the ocean for their primary protein source. And we're destroying it. You're messing up my sushi, You're messing dog. messing up the sushi. Man, it's, I want to go backwards to some of these numbers because... It, Man, I I think you see I'm very I'm processing a lot of what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. and this is amazing. Sorry, I'm giving you a lot of numbers and no, that's stats great and though. Stuff. And and I wanna I wanna focus on some of these because 
initially some of it goes like, oh, that's not a huge deal. So let's go back. How many metric tons a year of garbage in okay. the ocean? So this is a good one. So 8 million metric tons. Let's go back to what percentage is the U.S.? 0.3. Now let's stop right there just for one second because 0.3, oh my gosh, now I can sit there and feel a little bit better about right. myself. But you very quickly polish that away yeah. by saying 0.3 was 300 million. 300,000. 300,000. Metric tons. Metric tons. But then, man. Well, let me just stop you right there. Yeah, so, yeah. so saying 8 million metric tons, still my brain can't process that. What does that look like? That's one garbage truck full of plastic every minute entering the ocean. So on a global scale, it's as if there is a dump truck every minute dumping out a full garbage truck into the ocean every minute. So that blew my mind. And yeah, yeah no, yeah, it's yeah. not from the U.S. I get that. I do get but that. But wait a minute. I want to go back to it is from the U.S. because when you said right. 300,000 metric tons is from the U.S., that kind of makes us feel better about ourselves, right? But man, let's pick up anything, and I, I, I'm, I'm not innocent by all means. There's plenty right. of plastic in my house. Sure. But let me pick up any one of these plastic products and see where it says made in China. Right. Or where it says made in America, but the plastics came from China. Right. And how many of these things come from those places that are producing? So said and done, 300,000 metric tons are coming directly from the U.S. Correct. But indirectly, we're producing... Mm -hmm. And I think that was part of your point that right. I hope people really understood it. We're not just producing 300,000. We're directly mm -hmm. inserting 300,000. Yes. We are, as the United States, producing because how much of China's plastic production comes to the U.S. Mm -hmm. and how much of that waste is going into a garbage truck a minute? Yeah. That's a huge, how nuts is that? that's a bold statement. Yeah. And I say bold, not, not that it's, it's bold to make, but it's bold as in that's in my face it's nuts and that's that really helped me being able to actually visualize it because you said eight million metric tons you know i don't know what that looks like what does that actually mean but yeah. when someone says a garbage truck a minute like it's basically non-stop because yeah. go to a landfill and watch a garbage truck dump out its trash how long it, doesn't, it takes yes yeah, exactly uh -huh. so by the time he dumps and pulls out the next guy's already dumping mm -hmm. And before he's done dumping and pulling out the gex guy, so there is a constant stream of garbage trucks. Yeah, the, there are a lot of different numbers here, and from from different time frames, some some estimates one point five million pounds per hour. It's almost something you can get your head around, but okay. that that one's a few years old, uh, like in the seventies. When I mean, say a few years. Um, I haven't googled how much a garbage truck holds. That's a, that's a good idea. <laughs> a rubbish truck. R rubbish. rubbish truck. Yeah. <laughs> um, while he while he's looking that up, one thing that's interesting and, and we've hit on a little bit already is plastics don't break down. They break up. Correct. And a quarter, 25 percent of our fish have plastic in mm -hmm. it. And that's exactly what's going on is this giant piece of plastic is going in the ocean, is over time breaking up yep. into being small parts that fish are eating. Yep. Right. couple things. 12 to 14 tons of waste is what your average uh, dump truck or uh yeah, trash uh, trash truck will hold. 12, 12 to 14? Yeah. Tons. Tons? Okay. And then some of this is saying that uh, some plastics might take as, as long as 450 years to, to break down, mm -hmm. which is pretty crazy. It's pretty nuts. <laughs> pretty nuts. And it's, it's, it's absolutely insane if you Google and you start looking up things about plastics breaking up or breaking down, whatever word you want to use, and fish eating it, you'd be amazed to see some of the pictures. And mm -hmm. the gyres, I actually hadn't heard that word before. Is that, yep. Did I say that right? Yep. The gyres, there is a gyre in, in the in the Gulf of Mexico, but the, the best known one is the Pacific Garbage Patch. Right. 
Um, now, despite popular belief, and correct me if I'm wrong, it is not a floating island of junk. But correct. by all means, if you look at where it is and you see the fish swimming in it, it is nonstop debris. It is right. it, it is a, a huge amount. So I think when people have, because what, what was it? They said it was twice the size of Texas or three times the size of Texas. And I think people expected to get this amazing satellite image of this vast swath of the ocean covered in plastic bags and things like that. Um, the reality is when they've gone out and done drag tests, so actually drag mesh um, contraptions they've put together through it and they pull it up, it's just chock full of, of these microplastics. And it's, it goes down multiple feet. Um, so it's not just sitting on the surface. If you could, you could look out and it just looks like a beautiful clear blue ocean, but then you go a little bit below and you, you see that. Um, fish are eating it, especially things like whales or animals that, just swim along with their mm -hmm. mouth open and eat plankton and things like that. Huge amounts, huge, huge, huge amounts. Um, birds are eating it. They're, they're finding birds all over the place. They perform little bird autopsies and, and slice their stomachs open and they're literally just scooping plastic out of their stomachs and they've starved to death because that they can't, the plastic can't get through the system and they can't get any more food in the system. So they, they just die from starvation, lack of nutrition. Um, I think one of the biggest things is when people have said about uh, fish, um, fish containing plastic, you know, my immediate thought is, well, just see a piece of plastic on your fish, just don't eat it. Um, what happens with the microplastics when, when the big piece of plastic breaks up is that the UV rays, the salt and the waves create a kind of pitted surface on um, the surface of the plastic so it's no longer smooth. That makes it this perfect environment for it to just suck up all the chemicals, any pollutants, anything else that is, that's in the water. So then when the fish eats it, they call it like a little poison pill. So it's, yes, the plastic is a bad thing for the animal because it then fills the animal up and it can't eat. The issue for us as the consumer of the animal as a protein source is that the chemicals then leach into the blood supply, into the muscles, into the meat that we consume. So then the it's not that you're suddenly going to bite into a piece of salmon and go, you know, <laughs> oh, there goes my, my tooth. Um, it's more that the, the fish is becoming contaminated with, with pollutants and with, with chemical, chemical issues throughout it. It's, it's such an interesting conversation. And, and really, to me, the, the real conversation for sea sky surface is yet to come because we're talking right now just about what exists. Mm -hmm. uh, we want to talk about what's going to change. But one of the things that people out there trying to do is improve and increase things like the Pacific uh, Garbage Patch. Mm -hmm. and, and people have said, well, let's just clean it up. And it's not just that easy to just clean up. Mm -hmm. Number one, the amount of trash out there. Uh, number two, this kid has gotten a lot of, of, of traction as far as attention, but not attraction as far as success. Mm -hmm. And I believe he's from Denmark. He's 25 years old now. Um, no, he's, he's Dutch. He's, he's Dutch. Boy and slut. That's exactly. I knew it was a D country, <laughs> yeah. and his idea was to get like a a twenty a two thousand foot long mm -hmm. plastic device, uh, which is, is ironic but necessary, right. to capture all these things. And his uh, lack of success has been a lot greater than he wanted. He's been very open about it. Mm -hmm. He he's been very uh, uh, humble about saying this is not working the way I wanted to. We're, but he's not giving up. So that's been deployed now. I, I don't believe it's actually made it to the. Garbage patch, yeah. No, it's on right. its way. Yeah. yeah, it's on its way, yeah. Yeah, but where he's tested it and the ways he's used right. it and what they're seeing is the overspill of what they're not able mm -hmm. to catch, number one. Number two, 
how deep can we really capture all this garbage? Right. And I not, believe it only goes down about ten feet. I was gonna say 10, I think his is feet, something like that. I was gonna say five ten, but I, okay. I man, I could yeah, be. Yeah, I need to read into it a little more. But yeah. But again, that's one of the things that when I started reading up on what's going on with all this plastic at the beach, that was one of the first things that that jumped out at me. That's what got me reading about it. That's what got me got me interested. And they say I believe it's something like one percent of the trash is actually on the surface of the water. Five yeah. percent is on the beaches. Nine, oh God, what do you math now? Uh, <laughs> 94% of the rest of it is is deep, deep, deep in the ocean. Um, so what's the point? And it's that same thing. It's that, well, what's the point? What's the point of clearing up 1% of one garbage truck a minute? That's a lot of trash. And I don't care where it's at. Like, it's worth it to me. Or, or at least just, again, getting the word out and seeing this cool thing that this university student did at 20, was he 2021 when he came up with it? And now the, we've got this huge apparatus heading out into the middle of the Pacific to try and help clear up some of this trash. Again, it's just it's bringing more uh, more attention to the problem. And I think I do think that's important. I do think uh, he actually he was 18 when he made his TED was talk. Uh, I think he was 16 when he first started yeah, talking right. about it and got yeah, exposed. Yeah. Um, and it, it's it's just for me. I love seeing children being our future. Right. Um, man, teach them well. Anyways, uh, it, it's it's cool to see that. And yeah, I, I understand what they're saying. Well, we can't solve and save all of this. And, and you're right, we can't. So I got like five, 10 fingers. I cut off three of them and I can't replace them. Right. So let's just keep cutting fingers off. Right. That's, that's what you're arguing with me about. So right. yeah, maybe we can't clean up all this garbage. Maybe this Dutch kid is is just living a pipe dream. Maybe he's right and maybe he can't help us solve it. Mm-hmm. And, and I hope people do. But at this point, I don't think Sea Sky Surface and I don't think you are dwelling on how to fix the past, but how to fix the future. Correct. And I think that's a super important thing to do is the future. So what are you suggesting we do to to affect the uh, the going to say the economy, <laughs> the global environment? <laughs> Thank there you. you. The environment. <laughs> I'm going to go back to cough drops. NyQuil save the day. Uh-oh, that's why he's getting slow. He's on NyQuil. Um, so there are s- many, many super simple things that everybody can do. Um, the first one, I mean, it's right here. You don't have to buy mine. But uh, these, I mean, using a reusable water bottle. I drink water all day long. Stay hydrated. Nick's showing one off there for you on the camera. Um, this will hold you coffee, tea, water, mimosas, whatever you want. Um, whatever container vessel you choose to use that is not uh disposable use it um fantastic way because we use an insane number of plastic bottles every year and as nick said that's one of the top things that they find in the ocean um that's my first one second one plastic bags um they have a lifespan of a useful lifespan of approximately i believe 11 minutes from the, uh, it, that's insanity. I mean, from the store to the house, and then what do you do with them? You put them in a drawer, or and they're not even useful because they fucking rip every time I bring right. a plastic bag in. Right, and but you, then you use it to pick poop up or something, and there's a hole in it, and mm-hmm. it all goes wrong. Yeah, um, I'll use the UK as an example just because I know about it. Uh, I believe it was, oh gosh, when was it, when did I leave? 2011-ish. We there was an in, uh, implemented plastic bag cost so if you went to the store and you didn't take your own bags you could buy plastic bags so it was five pence which is about seven cents per plastic bag um 
that went up in cost maybe every couple of years. And then this past summer, they've actually fully banned bags. Um, you can now buy a reusable bag still, um, but there are no plastic bags available at grocery stores and stores. Um, where where does this is this just in the UK? This is in the UK. Okay. There there are other places like that too. Um, that I only know about the UK. I, d- I haven't read up about the other ones, but it's a pain in the butt when I go back because I've forgotten and I walk in and I'm like, shit. Um, walk out with like 17 things like this. Um, it's I have and I'm, I'll put my hands up. This is another thing about. I'm not trying to be perfect. My reusable pla- bags that I take to the grocery store every single time, made of plastic. But I've been using the same ones for three and a half years. They're perfectly fine. They still work. So I go to the, I'm terrible. I never remember to buy everything at the grocery store. So I end up going like 17 times a week. <laughs> so if I was using plastic bags every time, I would guess I av- would average about 20 bags. You know, I like to cook. I buy a lot of stuff. They only put like two things in a plastic bag every, t- you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'd say 20 bags, you know, times that by 52 weeks out of the year. That's a lot of plastic bags that only have an 11 minute lifespan. Um, I also have these bags, which again, I sell, but there are other alternatives because I bought my own before I made them. Um, these are produce bags. Um, so those little. These are huge. They're yeah, wonderful. These are actually like what people ask me about the most. Um, little bags that you put your fruit and veg in. Those little flimsy, crappy little bags at the grocery store that you'd never reuse for anything. And they will tear every freaking time. Oh, yeah. Like, those are th- I get asked about those all the time. Um, again, just put them in, y- in your car with, with the other bags. It is a hassle to start to remember. If you haven't done it, the first six months to a year of me trying to remember to take <laughs> my bags to the store, nightmare. <laughs> I probably remembered about 20% of the time. But then I got into the habit of... Um, once I was done unpacking, I'd just hang the bags back on the front door on the inside. And then the next time I went to my car, I just took them back out and put them back in the car. Um, it's just, a, it's getting into a habit. And now it's, if I get in the store and I haven't got them, I go back out to the car and I get them now. Cause it's now I'm like, well, you're a dumbass, you know, yeah. go back and get them. People would think it doesn't make a huge difference, but Valerie and I, we, we use reusable shopping bags and recently yep. got into produce bags. Katie oh Van Lowe, you know Katie? Yes, I do. She actually introduced me to the idea of reusable uh, shopping or produce bags. Oh, nice. And so I bought Val a bunch of them. And number one, like the size, I can fit way more produce right? in them. Um, and people people always worry about the, well, it's <clears> going to add weight to my, my, my shop. I'm like, I have the weights on there because they can tear them down. There's a tear button so they can literally type in how much each bag weighs. If you, but you're talking about a couple of cents. T A R E for those people. No, he's <laughs> like not, not ripping yes, them. Not tear. T-E-A-R-E. Um, but it, I, I would really wonder, and I would question myself if I didn't know better mm-hmm. about how much plastic bags reuse make a difference. And there are states in the U.S. that do have bans or fines for plastic bags. Austin, Texas, actually has some policies about plastic bags. and Not as of July 2018, they don't... They changed it. It got repealed because some lovely people decided that it was against their constitutional rights or something. No, I think it was actually... It w- I think it was to do with the... It may not have been the Constitution, but they argued that because there was no state legislation about the use of plastic bags, that the 11 cities that had implemented plastic bag bans were illegally banning them. So can... Ken Paxson, Attorney General. Um, yeah, I don't re- know names of these people. Reversed <laughs> it in July. So, but I think that the the thing that you have to take into account is that um, people and companies have their own minds, um, mm-hmm. and they are allowed to 
that they are allowed to do whatever they want. They're allowed to sell whatever they want. And I think places have continued to not use plastic bags. Yeah. There are places that, you know, they'll give you money if you bring um, your own bags. Like I think Target Target does it. I think five cents per bag. Whole Foods does it. I know if you bring your own bag, um, they give you five cents off your groceries. So really they're not giving you five cents off your groceries. That's the way they're, dis- that's the way they're oh, disguising yeah. that they're charging right. you five cents. If you don't think that it makes a huge difference, first of all, if you don't know this, most major grocery stores, I know Kroger's for sure will do this, they have a recycling bin for your plastic bag. Correct. And Valerie and I would always take our recycled trash bags or our grocery bags back to um, Kroger. Yeah. And the amount of bags, because, you know, we just bundle the bags into one bag and eventually mm-hmm. you have this giant bag of bags. Right. And the amount of bags we would take in to Kroger to recycle was just, it, it's unbelievable how full this thing would get, how quick and how often we would have to do it. Yeah. Versus today, it's um, it's rarely ever happens. And, you know, yeah, there's times where we'll go to the store where we're in my car because my car doesn't have anything extra in it. My car is minimalist. My car is just for fun. So mm-hmm. I, I the only thing in my car is like the legal papers that's supposed to be in your car. My mailbox key. There's nothing else in it. I was like, legal papers? What are you rolling around? Car registration. Okay. I was thinking like a legal pad of like what you suddenly have no, these no, no, thoughts no. that you have to pull over and start writing. My there. documents. Your documents. Uh, my documents. <laughs> um, so when we're in that car, we, we use trash bags or, or plastic bags. But for the most part, we, we only use uh, the paper or excuse me, the, the recyclable bags. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing how big of a difference it can make. So if you people aren't doing it, number one, you know what? Don't even worry about using these reusable bags. Just start by collecting all your bags and taking them back and recycling them. And those same trash uh, trash cans, recycling bins for the bags at HEB does it. So HEB and mm-hmm. Kroger, um, those white packages you get from Amazon that have a they have a recycling yeah, yeah. sign on them. Those they, they take those too. They take dry cleaning bags, all the crappy bits of plastic you get that you're not quite sure if you can put it in the recycling or not. That counts as the plastic bag return so you can take those back to your grocery store by the way best buy recycles electronics don't throw your piece of i mean like i got a dvd player that's a piece of trash it's not worth anything um man it it was a piece of junk gift that somebody bought that was probably 30 dollars when they bought it Mm -hmm. man take these things but start with just taking your bags and recycling them at kroger's and you'll very quickly go whoa this adds up it adds up a lot and that that you're exactly right just that small thing no you're not going to change the planet but that's such a fantastic like first step to take and it's so easy to do you just keep it you know keep a bag of bags like you probably do already and then next time you go to the store or at some point just try and remember to throw it in the back of your car and i've done it i've thrown it in there it stayed in there for three weeks and then finally i remember to actually take it in the store (laughs) when i've gone into hgb um but it's just those small things those little changes and you can get more extreme about it you can you can start building there's a company called eco bricks um you get a plastic bottle, so say a, a Coca-Cola two-liter bottle, something like that. Um, every other piece of plastic you use, you chop it up into tiny pieces and you stuff it into the bottle. Um, and now there's comp- whole competitions of stuff that you can build out of these. They're actually building homes in developing countries out of these eco-bricks because they, they don't degrade. It's one of the benefits of benefits slash issues with plastic is it doesn't degrade. Um, so then all of the plastic you use are then being, call it upcycled into something usable which I think that's fantastic, then you're, you're not throwing anything away at all then. One of the uh, weirdest byproducts, one of my favorite things about using these reusable shopping bags, mm-hmm. do you, what, what do you think it is? Your favorite thing about using them? Yeah. You can fit 
so much more in them. Straight up, man. If I go to is Kroger, that what you're gonna say? Yeah. If yeah. I go to Kroger, H E B, or wherever, H E B for you, not in Texas, is one of our bigger brand uh, name grocery stores. By it's the way, the best. Do you know what H E B is? Do you know what it stands for? You know, I did. I've looked it up, and I won't be able to Mr. remember. Mr. It P. I'm in that same boat. I remember looking it up before. H E Butts. B U T T S. Butts. Howard E. Butts is the guy who started H E B. I might have the first name wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was Howard. Howard E. Butts, and one of the Butts. original H-E-Bs was known as H-E Butts. Yep, Howard huh. E. Butts. And huge, enormous butts would be a great joke. So you Texans who don't know H-E-B is <laughs> H-E Butts, huge, enormous butts. I knew I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> Florence <laughs> Butt in 1905, the first H-E-B in Kerrville. Yep. Yep. I like big butts, and I cannot lie. <laughs> you other brothers can't deny. So, um, I like H-E Butts. <laughs> H-E Butts. So... um. Dang. Uh, I go in there and I go shopping and I whatever I buy, I'll have, like you said, they put one or two products in a bag. So I'll walk out with 10 or 12 bags. Right. And that's impossible to carry. Or I'll bring in my own bags and I'll walk out with two bags. Mm -hmm. And if you walk in, A, these reusable bags are typically larger than the plastic bags. And B, they're not afraid of them tearing or ripping. So... Yeah, I'll say load them up. They they put three things in them. Like, nope, keep going. Fill them Fill up. Fill it up. Fill it up. You can walk out with two bags full. They're not going to rip. They're not going to tear. So much easier. You get home. You've only got to go in and out once because you haven't got to, you know, go backwards and forwards. It's it's e it ends up being easier yeah. over time. And I think and the those have been better known over time. The thing that I really love is those produce bags. Mm -hmm. People have not been aware. I Val and I've been using them for years. You have. That's really well, good. I've no, only became aware of them probably just, nine months ago. No, just grocery bags. I'm sorry. Oh, grocery, grocery bags. Grocery okay. bags for yep, years. Yep. And I'm going to guess Katie Van Lowe might have become aware of uh, produce bags because she's very friend environmentally friendly. She's right. a very aware young lady. But it also might have been because of you because it's only been in the last six months that we've got oh, really? these bags. And man, those little produce bags tear. They don't fit in the things you want to put mm -hmm. in them. I mean, like the size. They of make your bags. vegetables sweat. Yes, they ruin mushrooms. Yeah, that's one of my biggest pet peeves: mushrooms in plastic. Yeah. Ruined. You now, if you want to keep your vegetables in these bags in your refrigerator yep. in the crisper drawer, they actually store better. They do. So they're not just better for the environment; they're just better for me as a consumer. Like it's more advantageous for me. Than the environment, although I think it's better for the environment. It's true. But I, I just, I'm going to think selfishly. This is better for me. So what kind of has blown my mind is always when I see people putting bananas or any fruit <laughs> with a non-edible outer shell into plastic. Yeah, what are you really protecting this from? I'm like, what are you going to do? Lick it on the outside <laughs> before you eat it? Not going to peel that banana? Like... <laughs> Whole Foods for a while was selling peeled bananas in plastic containers and, and people did thankfully lose their minds about that and then they stopped but it's like oh if only they <laughs> if only they came in their own protective shell <laughs> a peeled <laughs> a peeled a peeled I know it was a peeled orange in a in a plastic <laughs> container I like that one perfect I mean, I guess maybe I can understand the orange a little bit more for the lazy pe lazy person that doesn't want to peel gets their mess. Yeah, their and you orange. get it on your fingers and that kind of... I, get, I kind of get that more. But Pineapple I'll get. The rest of it I'm <laughs> kind of like, yeah. <laughs> Pomegranate. I can dig that, man. Because those things peeled, are a pain in the yeah. butt. Oh, I, I think I tried one once and I, I, I couldn't do it. What, pomegranate? Yeah, I didn't understand it. I, I need oh, to, how I need to, to get like, it watch out. A, yeah, I need to like watch a video or something. I thought you meant eating pomegranate. No, that's pretty good. Dude, oh, it's really good stuff. Mm -hmm. But I no, I only buy pomegranate already in, in a plastic box because uh, I cannot. I, <laughs> I'm no, not judging. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I've not figured out how to get them out of the, uh, out of the 
the yeah, fruit it's like itself. I, I buy coconut water in plastic. I don't buy coconuts and then just stick a straw in the top. <laughs> um, so what else is sea, sea sky surface? I'm going to say everything out of order now. Uh, what else? I did guys? that for a while. So uh, Mark actually still calls it ski sky service sometimes. So it's <laughs> still a little bit much, but I've got I, it down. I think Mark just is like me, a giant man child, and he's enjoying half the fun of butchering things. There's that, there's that. He's actually like, because you know, Mark, he's, he's quite a, uh, no, he's a guy guy and, and he likes his, you know, he's got a big truck and, you know. He's a man child. I totally dig it because I am man too. He's a man man and a man child. Yeah. But like, he is so good about, he's even started like taking bags to the store. Like, you know, he comes back and said, oh, I didn't, I didn't take a bag. Um, he's really good about putting stuff in the recycling. Like he, and he's been very instrumental in helping me with this company. Like he really has. And it, so it's been a real team effort. Um, He's, he owns his own business. Um, he knew everything about, you know, setting a business up, that kind of thing. So he's been super helpful and, and super into it. And because we're, you know, we're both active and he fishes a lot. So he sees, he's out on water a lot. So he sees it. Um, so he's been very, you know, very helpful being involved in, in this whole project as well. So it's been good having a little teammate. I want to kind of divert from some of this for a minute. I do want to come back to these ideas. But one of the things that uh, we, we mentioned, Mark, and you, you got or you met Mark through skydiving. No. No, you didn't meet Mark through skydiving. Uh-uh. I'm shocked. I actually yeah, thought you guys met at Spaceland. Nope. How did you guys meet? Match.com. No shit. Yeah. <laughs> back in Looks the like day. It's like we need to search out a new sponsor. <laughs> Match.com. This was back before there were apps or any Tinder didn't exist. Like you actually had to go on a computer and like this. Yeah, I was moving down from New York and uh, I was just, you know, looking at what my options might be in little Houston, Texas and saw this hunk of beef. So uh, <laughs> That's a good yeah. description for Mark too, a hunk of beef because he is. Yeah, he's so a big hunk. So he's always been into um, adventure sports. He used to race um, uh, downhill mountain biking competitively. Um he did pretty well in, as well um, in that. So he's always been into kind of crazy sports and stuff. So when um, I was already a skydiver, um, he did, he wasn't that interested to start with. And then he read up on it a little bit and the statistics behind, you know, safety and things like that. Um, he was more interested. And then I had a real job at that point. I had a corporate, you know, I say nine to five. It was like eight till midnight type job. And he called me from the drop zone saying, oh, I've, I've just made five or six jumps today. And I was like, is this guy I'm like he's just come along like stole my hobby and now he's calling me at the office while he's just jumping he had his license in i think it was seven days or eight days um i only had about 50 60 jumps at that point and he'd overtaken me within about i think it was about a month and a half so you got him into the sport i got him into the sport i yeah. just thought you both met mm -hmm. as young jumpers mm -mm. okay mm -mm. holy shit yeah. Uh, yeah nick we need to start a new uh sponsor match.com there you go Shout out to Match.com. One of the more entertaining things for me with my business and my company, The Rating Center, is I've uh, met a handful now of people who have gotten married because they met in a canopy course that I was running. No way. Yeah, I, I can think <laughs> of three, at least three right away married couples who met in really? a canopy course with me. So I'm like, Cupid, bro. That's I will awesome. teach you how to land better and I will get you laid. No, no, probably not. They, the they second should thing. use it. Land in, land in parachutes and land in babes. Yeah, the rating center, landed parachutes, landed babes. I like that, man. There you go. We'll have to close that out with that. Um, but one of the things that you mentioned is you and Mark love to scuba dive. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I found very interesting from you <coughs> is you brought two of your passions together, sea and sky, and you actually right. did the blue hole. <coughs> oh, buggy. I did. That's why I really haven't skydived since then, because what am I supposed to do now? Because that was... 
jump of a lifetime. It was ridiculous. So I'd love it if you could share this experience <laughs> with the jumpers. So there is a fantastic guy, and I'm probably not even supposed to talk about this because it's kind of like Fight Club, but there's a <laughs> fantastic guy called Rich Grimm who organizes uh, tropical boogies at the most fantastic locations. Um, and he uh, managed to convince the Belizean government to allow some skydivers back in the country because I think the first time we did it, uh, they messed up a little bit. But So we haven't been allowed to jump the blue hole for a long time. And for those that don't know, the blue hole is this massive, massive natural sinkhole um, off the coast of Belize in the Caribbean. Um, does it count as Caribbean? I call that Caribbean. I think it counts as Western Caribbean. Western Caribbean? Okay. I think so. Um, it's it's stunning. It, it's this cir- circle of coral with a couple of entrances, um, and it just disappears down into the depths. And I'm, I'm not entirely... Maybe Nick can look up how deep the blue hole is, but um, it's hundreds of feet. It's, it's a, at least two or 300 feet, I believe. Right now we have a video. If you're watching this on Facebook, if you're not listening on your on your phone, but oh, is that mine? Watching it? No, I didn't no, find yours oh, yet. Okay. I'll, I'll get I'll get to it. No, no, that I'm sure the people's are much better than <laughs> 300 meters. The Great Blue Hole. 300 meters. Okay, so 900 feet for you Americans. 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 Um, so we um, we jumped on one of the private islands. So Belize has. Uh, we were up, up in San Pedro, which is the little. If you imagine Mexico and where Cabo is. Other side of Belize, same. They have like a mainland and then a little bit that sticks off, which is not connected to the mainland. So we're in San Pedro. And then there's a little chain of, of islands that come off that. So we were staying in San Pedro and jumping into one of the, the private islands every day, which was incredible. And then one of the jumps, um, you got one shot uh, at the Blue Hole because it was it was a full day, basically. It was, um, it was a 20-minute flight out um, to the Blue Hole. You jump out. There is no land. I mean, you're 60 miles off offshore um and you land in in the blue hole i mean you land in the water and it was pretty funny because like you do water training at what for 50 jumps for your b license yes sir ma'am yeah (laughs) mrs p (laughs) (laughs) i'm offended trigger warning (laughs) hashtag triggered oh my god look at the shot right there if you're watching this on facebook you can see the hole he's he's pointing out with his foot is such a gorgeous shot how how far off the land? I know I could look this up. Maybe you already know. Sixty miles. I believe. Sixty miles out. Yeah, so there's n- no outs. Sixty two miles. I see it on there the screen. I'm looking at right now. Um, so yeah, so we we jumped in. You land. Obviously, I uh, I bought a second rig because salt water absolutely destroys your uh, or any metalwork or anything in your in your rig. So I'd bought a lovely uh, racer reflex. I, I thought you bought ra- a reflex. I thought it was a radio. Oh, I don't know. It was a piece of junk. I remember you. I'm pretty yeah. sure it was a reflex, but so it, was bad. it was yours. Yeah, it was so. pretty bad. I still have it. Uh, I think it was $400 for the whole thing, including two canopies. Um, no AAD, obviously, which I've never done before. Um, never jumped it before I took it out because I wasn't going to jump that onto land because I figured at least if I'm over water, I've got a, a, a shot at surviving if I just drop in and it doesn't work. Um, She's so yeah. She's busy being distracted know, I'm, by I'm the views right now, I'm man. I'm completely distracted watching the videos now. It's mesmerizing. Like I'm living it. I'm living it. Um, so yeah, landing, land in the water. The surprising thing being that when you land in the water, your parachute is completely buoyant. And they taught us, do not get out of your parachute. This is a problem. Don't get out of your parachute. Just sit in your harness and your reserve just acted, acts as a, a buoyancy aid. And there was a boat waiting for us there. And uh, they drove around and picked us all up, jumped on. Um, our scuba gear was all ready to go on the boat. So I was one of the last to get picked up in my run. Um, literally threw off skydive gear, threw on my scuba gear and then 
dove down to 144 feet, um, swam around these stalactites and then came back up and then did another dive after that. So we, it wasn't quite James Bond, you know, jumping in scuba gear and going straight down, cutting away and, you know, immediately scuba diving down. But it was it was pretty darn close. Yeah, it's still, yeah, pretty, pretty freaking dope, man. Uh, one thing that you mentioned is the rig does float. Do you know how long mm-hmm. a reserve will float for? I believe it was about 10 minutes. It's about 45 minutes. Is, is it what, 45? Yeah. Goodness. So the uh, Army and a bunch of other people did a lot of testing many years ago. And, oh, man, this dude is about to not land by the blue hole. He's yeah. landing on the very rim, dude. He's right at the edge, right next to the boat. That's such a gorgeous shot. I that's, don't pr- that's pretty shallow right there. That's one of the issues. But I'm not much of a bucket list person. Like, you know, bucket list. bucket list to me is is a term that I just don't care for. I don't mind. I don't disrespect right. people who have it. But uh, I do things that I wouldn't mind doing one day. And, and as skydives go, I'm, there's a lot of novelty skydives. I just don't care. Yeah. The Blue Hole Belize. That's pretty I gave a care. Yeah, that's, that's pretty, that's well, pretty un- awesome. Unfortunately, one person did land on the reef, and I think the Belizean government had said if that happened... We were not allowed back, so I'm not sure if that'll happen again. I think, unfortunately, I think there may be an opportunity for it to happen again in the future. Really, um, I think that Let me know. opportunity would be very uh, slim. Mm-hmm. Um, I have some uh, some of the people involved with it are friends of mine through different parts of the industry, okay. and uh, I I would love to. Uh, you went. There's several of our friends went. Um, mm-hmm. What's her name? Uh, Jessica. Scott. Thank you, and Jessica. Scott and Jessica. Yeah, man, what a beautiful job. And there was another gentleman, and I can't remember his name. I didn't know he was going until we got there. But it was a fantastic group of uh, group of people there as well. And it's a lot of people that go on these uh, boogie events. Like they just did another one to the uh, the pyramids, like almost yes. right afterwards. They did the pyramids. They've done, uh, I said Palau. Yes. Oh, and they're do, they're doing Costa Rica in February. It's just. I actually have a buddy who owned a uh, drop zone in Costa Rica. I think he shut it down recently. Oh, really? Mainly because he has owned two drop zones and now he's getting out of the business. Not, uh, mm-hmm. I don't think it's, you know, there, there's a thing that people say as a drop zone owner, you get sick of skydivers, you're babysitting a bunch of type oh, A sure. personalities. We're, yeah, we're um, paying the buck. He's been a drop zone owner for decades and he's just done. He's, yeah. he's retiring period in life, hmm. um, which really bums me out because uh, he has a beach home in Costa Rica on the beach and if I would go jump there, I would be able to land mm-hmm. right by his house. I believe. I'm not 100% sure. Beach landings oh. are just the best. There's nothing like no shoes, skydives, and then landing on sand. I have one beach landing, <sighs> and uh, I hooked it into the beach. I tore my <laughs> calf muscle. Oh, no. <laughs> I okay, so did you see Riley's landing today? I know you're not a was big that Instagrammer. Yeah, she yes. ate shit I wasn't sure who that was. Oh, yeah. Um, into the sand or into the edge of the surf slash land? Gosh, right there, right there. What, the is edge. it with the one coming in from the water towards the land? The, I'll see if I can find it to, to cue it yeah. up for you. You know Riley. Uh, Riley worked for Infinity Bossy Sports Equipment. I'm not familiar. I feel bad. I, I've been, I haven't been down I don't think, for a while. Yeah, I don't think you would know uh, Riley. I think you've known some of them people with Infinity. I think you met one of It was of Flora, th- wasn't it? You met Flora. Yeah. So Flora was the last one I really Okay, knew. so yeah, yeah it's... Like three people passed now. Flora, oh, Nicole, Riley, now we're Blake. Okay. So, yeah. Um, uh, Wait, uh, skydiving is a transient sport? Yeah, what? no doubt, right, man? <laughs> These people want to move around. People they want to They want to go huh. different places. Um, yeah, Nicole ended up moving to Dubai with her uh, now husband, who is junior, David Lovick, and he just jumped a 5,000 square foot flag. David, I know that name. Uh, David Lovett. Oh wait, what's her name? Uh, Nicole. Nicole. She's Sm- the one that skydived the fifty states. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Love it. Yep. 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 
Yeah, she was, uh, I don't think she was the first person to do it, but she was like the third or something. She was quite popular, I think. Yeah, she, it was it was quite well known. And I, actually, I think almost everybody who's done it has been fa- fairly well known for okay. it. A buddy of ours, uh, I say buddy of ours, I don't know if Nick knows Justin Baker has done it. Um, another couple just did it who just passed through Spaceland. Which oh, really? Super cool because this couple jumped all 50 states and they had to use like three Spacelands to do it. Oh, that's fun. Which, you know, as, as our organization goes. How many are there now? Like 25? Five. <laughs> 25. <laughs> Steve, Steve's got it going on with the uh, drop zone business model, I suppose. I, he does, man. He, he's got a lot of goals. It's it's interesting that we just did actually yesterday a, uh, a meeting for what we're doing with Spaceland. And part of the process is, is centralized information. And Steve and I have both similar goals when it comes to skydiving. Mm-hmm. I love USPA. I think, I think our organization does a good job as a whole. But I think we could do a better job of standardization. Okay. The problem is, is we're a voluntary organization. So if we put these regulations of standardization <coughs> in, people will stop mm-hmm. being members. So we have to slowly implement them to make them uh, something people can digest. <coughs> is there not a requirement to be part of the USBA, or is that where the USBA totally non USBA drop zone comes from? Yeah, totally okay. voluntary. Although ninety some odd percent of drops under USP, I think ninety five yeah. plus percent in America are. Right. Um, Steve actually once upon a time said that I want to, and I don't know how public he made this statement, so I might be speaking out of place, but I'm, I'm going to say it anyways. I know he has said it to me. He considered actually releasing the Spaceland program as a whole and giving it to really? USPA and saying, hey, this is how we're doing it. This is what we're doing that we think is above and beyond and how we think we can continue to improve the program. And the hardest part is standardization at a global scale is very difficult. Mm-hmm. Standardization at a local scale, one drop zone, is very easy. Now multiply that drop zone and slowly right. grow it out. So Steve's, you know, part of his goal is, yes, he's a businessman. But part of his goal and what I don't think most people realize is Steve wants to affect skydiving in a greater way. He wants better training, higher level of education. In other words, safer skydivers, which means mm-hmm. we do cooler things. Yeah, we like safe skydivers. Right. Because they live longer. Well, you came from a, a situation where Krosky's does a good job training their students. No, they don't. But I'm going to be polite. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, But now... I can't fly on my belly still. Well, that's your no, fault. It's, no. It's, yeah, no, it is my fault. No, I can fly much better on my belly because I did take some time to do it. Um, but yeah, it was horrible. I, d- I had my, my dive flows were done in the airplane on the way up. My, my instructor packed me a line over on jump 12. Um, that was pretty terrible, terrifying. Um, and then asked me what I had done wrong and what, you couldn't save it? Uh, no, I cut away <laughs> a line over too, bro. Uh, it looked like a big bow tie. I thought I was supposed to cut it away. Yeah. Um, so anyways, uh, off of Steve, do you got that picture of Riley up? Krosky's is yeah, a I got great the picture. place. If anyone ever has the chance to go to Krosky's, you have to go because it is super fun. The uh, video f- from Riley is only on her Instagram story. Unfortunately, I can't pull up the video. But this picture, if you're, uh, if you're watching on Facebook right now. Riley, show, I love you, girl. Moment just after impact. It's real good looking. So there's another, there's another video out there that definitely wasn't Riley because it's a Valkyrie. It's red. It's the exact same color. Valkyrie bow jumps, and there's a shot of bow uh, nailing a landing on this giant inflatable sled on the uh, that beach. That is a beautiful video. I'm gonna see if I can. Find there's it. another video of whoever it is skipping across the edge of the surf, and I was I'm like, Val, what, what's Riley doing? So definitely not the same picture. So I'm curious now. Um, the blue hole. Back back to that. Mm-hmm. First of all, the island. I, I I saw some pictures. How big was the private island you guys were jumping on? It was 
It was small. It was about a mile long. Um, the landing area was tiny. It was surrounded by palm trees. It was windy. Um, it was sketchy, put it that way. I, I actually grounded myself at the end of the third day because um, I wasn't that comfortable because coming in, um, the turbulence from the trees being so close, mm -hmm. um, I wasn't comfortable with. I didn't know all these other skydivers. One guy had hosed me completely and there were no outs, essentially. Um, so I actually grounded myself because... I, I mean, believe Jessica did too, didn't she? I think she did. Uh, Scott was grounded. grounded for other reasons. <laughs> well, dude, so we so we got to the private island by boat every morning. Uh huh. I love Scott. Like I'm, I'm not trying to smack Scott. No, Scott, Scott is guy. an awesome dude, man. I, I think I think really well of this guy. Right. So we took this boat out, and it, there were there had to be three boats because it was you know it was a little like I don't know how you explain it. It's like I call it like a speed boat, but it sat like thirty people, but there were like a hundred of us. So it took three runs to get everybody out there. So, I don't know, being British, I was like, oh, no, 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 after you, after you, after you, fuck, I'm on the third boat. Um, so, by the time I got out there, it was about two hours later because it was a 30-minute ride there, 30-minute ride back to pick up the next people. And Scott's sitting there with an ice pack on his leg. And I'm like, what the hell happened? He's like, oh, shitty landing. I was like, oh, man. Um, and he didn't, I don't believe he made another jump on the island after that, um, which I totally get because I was a bit yeah. sketched out by it. I didn't use all my lift tickets. We had a set number. I think we had like 11 jump tickets or something. I think I made like six six jumps maybe total on that island. Um, and it was it was stunning, stunningly, stunningly beautiful. Not, uh, But I just, you know me, I, I basically fell over my first 200 landings, but that was a stupid pulse. Um, it's the driver, not no, the tool. It's the pulse. It's all the pulse. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I stopped. Uh, poor Scott, though he was our. Uh, it's a it's a go kart only place, but there's hardly any cars. Uh, he drove us everywhere. Um, he walked for miles. He went scuba diving. He did the blue hole jump. He then scuba dived. He got back to the U.S. and he had a fractured leg. Um, so I mean, more power to him for busting through that one. But Man, poor guy. I, I'll give uh, him credit first of all for standing down when he did. Right. But I will also completely understand why he said, I am going to do the blue hole jump. Oh, yeah. You're landing in the fucking water. Yeah, it's not good. Chances are you're not going to hurt yourself yeah, as no. much. And, and even if it did, I'm once still in a lifetime. Doing it. Yeah. 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 The thing that I was really proud of, though, is I, I very quickly found out because I followed all of you guys. When you guys took this trip, I watched on fucking Facebook. Okay. I, I cyber stalked <laughs> you, all three of you. I can't remember who the fourth one is. I remember there being a fourth guy, and I was. It was a, it's an, it was an older gentleman that belly jumps, and I did, I can't remember his yeah. name. I feel really bad. And, and he I, was wearing like a, a Spaceline shirt. I was like, oh, and I, I, don't, I don't. The last, what, two years, I haven't jumped on Saturdays, really. I've just been in the week, so. And I don't know as many of the belly jumpers or maybe yeah. the people that have been there longer. Um, plus, I just look at the floor when I walk around, so I'm quite. I, I don't pay attention very well. Uh, I'm super. I, bad. I was stoked to watch to see our Spaceland jumpers were the ones standing down. Mm -hmm. The mindset, the the, the right. thought process of Spaceland kids, man. Hashtag Spaceland strong. Hashtag Spaceland. I mean, it, it's it's so cool to see that. And back to you know what Steve's been trying to do, what I've been trying to do with the rating center is to have a higher level of standardization to safety. And to me, I don't need better rules to have better safety. I have need better culture. Correct. And kudos to all of you guys and gals uh, at, at that boogie for being the people who said. 
I'm having a great time on the ground, man. Mm -hmm. I'll sit here and support the rest of you guys. I'll party it on. Exactly. Now, I mentioned I I, uh, jumped on the beach once and I straight up hooked it in, calf torn. I was high on Percocets the rest of the fucking trip. (laughs) But my God, booze and Percocets on the beach were gorgeous. They were a good time. I don't remember any of it, apparently. So the the last beach beach landing I did was actually at our wedding. Um, So we skydived into our wedding reception. Um, We got married in Puerto Vallarta in Mexico. And uh, we had we had jumped into that landing area because the the skydive Puerto Vallarta boogie was there. Um, so Mark went to that two years in a row. Um, he went the first year with Jimmy Skates because we had put in for my uh, one of my visa applications was in, and we didn't realize until about three weeks before the trip that I wasn't allowed to leave the country. If if I left the country, my visa application got cancelled. Oh. So there I am thinking, oh sorry, babe, we can't go. No, no, it's like, oh, I'll just ask Jimmy if he can go in your spot instead. I was like, what? So he went. I was mad the whole time, obviously, because that wasn't fair. I get it now. I remember him taking Jimmy instead of you. Yeah, I was, I was I never so knew pissed. why. I was so pissed. He <laughs> um, bought me back a T-shirt. Didn't ever wear it. <laughs> so petty. Bitter. I know. Um, but then we, uh, we went again the next year, and it was phenomenal. Um, so I knew the landing area, and we actually went back and got married at that same hotel where the boogie was um, run out of. So uh, super familiar. So we get married on the beach. We tell everybody that we're going to go uh, take some pictures. Um, so we we go off into a, a room where our stuff was, threw our gear on. We had the plane was waiting for us at the airport, um, organized through. It wasn't, it was Skydive Viata or Viata. I can't remember which one it was. It wasn't the same one that, that did the boogie. So we zipped the airport, jump in the plane, come back down and, and land. During the ceremony, I was getting beaten up by the wind. It was just whipping me everywhere. I had to pull my veil off at the altar because it was smacking my future mother-in-law in the face. Like, that's how windy it was. Um, by the time we got up, the wind had completely d- gone. It had completely died down. Now, my setup for landing and judging my landing spot's perfectly fine as long as I knew what the wind was doing on the ground before I left the ground. Um, p- completely put my hands up like it's not my strong suit. Um, so I overshot. Mark lands perfectly right in the middle of the guests. Everyone's cheering. I overshoot by about 300 feet. And I'm just like waving down the beach going, I'm all right. Hi. I'm over here. Uh, yay. It's actually how I met you was talking. Like one of our first conversations, I think, was you being introduced to me and asking about canopy. Work. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. And Mark, yeah, he always, he, Mark always seemed to do fine with oh, the canopy. If natural. he wanted to be there, he, yeah. He's fantastic. He, he did can real well with it. literally pick a spot and just land there every time. He he scared me downsizing quickly and starting to do like 90 degree uh, turns. Uh, and I was like, you're going to start swooping. I don't want you swooping. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he was just, he it was so, I don't think I've ever seen him not stick a landing like perfectly. He's just naturally can do it. He's fantastic at it. Women drivers. No Women survivors. Drivers. No, no. Nope, that can't do it, man. Says the Asian guy. I can land my crossfire. I just can't land, couldn't land that. So by the way, there is your jump. And <gasps> by the way, that is... And it's barefoot. That was so exciting. And you'll see that uh, it actually pops before I, uh, before I actually pull. That is a reflex. Had a nice little, nice little preemie. You can see it's just starting to come open there a little bit, getting that air underneath the flap. 
I was, it's not an exciting skydive because I was just enjoying the view so much. No, it's not, man. And it shouldn't be the exciting. Oh, there it no. goes. <laughs> so it looks like just mainly the main pin flap open. It looked like yeah. you used to still through a pilot shoot. I did, I did th- throw it, but it's at about the exact same time. So I reached back and pulled, but you see it open before I've actually pulled. Yeah. It's uh, Valerie and I did a jump down. Yeah, it's Must- open. See, then I pull. We did jump down at Mustang Island, and it was probably one of the most boring jumps anybody could ever see. Really? But it wasn't oh, boring yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. We le- it was a 182. A buddy uh, owns this place down there, Jason. And we leave and immediately dock up. We hold hands, and we just like sit side by side like we're holding hands on a beach, and we face one direction. Right. And we face that direction for a while. We f- I forget how much altitude we plan to do it. And if either one of us saw something that stood out, we would point at it, and we the other one would look. And we, you didn't care if you saw it or not. You hope you saw the same thing, but yeah. you just took in what they it's pointed like when at. you scuba dive, and you're like, <gasps> yeah. And someone's like, what? Look that way and just there. hope. Right. It's like, maybe you see it, maybe you don't. Maybe you get something else special. And like halfway through free fall, we turned and looked the other way at the beach. Right. And then we both pitched high. Like, we're like, yeah. we're going to pull high. We're going to fly under parachute. And that's one thing I don't get is people go to these kind of events and they're so worried about getting on the most gnarly, crazy skydive. I'm like, mm-hmm. bro, like a solo or a two-way? Because for me... So that may not have looked like it, but that was a two-way? Uh-huh. <laughs> Initially, yeah, it did not look like a. T- <laughs> no. look like a t- How many solo. cameras does this guy have? Oh my god! So the Jesus. one, the one on my wrist is actually his as well. So he actually hooked me up with that did, wrist. Did pin. I see three? Yeah, he's I got see one a on his GoPro. Foot. I think he's got one and on then a GoPro on each wrist, and then a 360 camera on one of. He has a 360 wrist. for sure. So that he just uh, he was just sliding and he was just going really far down. That's well, at least he got three really good camera <laughs> angles of how <laughs> shitty of a skydiver he is. So it was a solo skydive, it just was not a, a solo exit. And I, I could see where he was. I could I could still see him, but we wouldn't, the wind was kind of high and we were supposed to stay on this side of the hole and uh, he was drifting pretty far that way. But you were saying about people planning these over-the-top skydives and then it just, and just not enjoying it. Yeah. Um, did you see the front cover of Parachutist from that trip and it was the, the round of like, I think it was an eight-person round yes. over the... So, like, I think half of those people landed off on that because of the winds on that one. Yeah. They said that it was it was shit. They said, like, the people on that jump were like, well, I didn't really get to do anything because I was so stressed out about getting it there because Bruno, I think it was Bruno, was yeah. uh, was uh, taking the pictures for the cover. And I was like, well, that's such a freaking jump. How much does that cost for one jump? Like, and no, I'm going to get out and I'm going to make woo faces at a camera. So and I would just be look at the look at the scenery. I would be torn because if I look at the cover of Parachutist and I see that picture from Bruno that has that eight way round and that hole, and knowing that I could get that picture but never really get to experience it, I would say that picture's well worth it. Except I've seen the pictures on your Facebook of you nerding out to your <laughs> stupid hand cam, hand mounted camera. And those <laughs> pictures have your face. Right. So it's obviously you. Oh, it's definitely me. Over no that shot. Yeah. And you got to experience. So yeah, man, that, that cover shot, Bruna got it, is, is exquisite. Oh, it's, it's a beautiful. phenomenal shot. But man, one of them is going to give me a better memory. Mm-hmm. And the other one's going to give me, uh, you know, a stressful time. I want to live in the moment. And that's <clears throat> one thing that technology really has almost destroyed for us, crushed for us. Enjoying the moment. Yeah. yeah. Valerie and I went on our honeymoon to New Zealand, and I took my DSLR, my, my nice digital still camera, and I took tons of pictures, and I did a pretty decent job of balancing putting the camera away mm-hmm. and taking it in. Like, you know, it's I'm... It's tough. It is. It's like a... It's a... Now, whenever something cool happens, I pick my phone up to take a picture of it. It's just a natural reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, shit, I'm never going to look at that picture again. That was just so dumb. I could have just yeah. enjoyed it. Well, for me, the phone has actually become a balance because 
I, I, we went to Portland or excuse me, not to Portland, but to Oregon recently in Oregon and Washington and, and just did a bunch of hikes. Mm-hmm. And intentionally we have a couple not really nice point and shoot digital cameras and intentionally it's like, man, I'm not going to worry about that. These, these phone cameras take good enough pictures, but if all I have is this phone camera, then it's a, it's really not that much effort, mm-hmm. but it's, it's an extra thought to pull out my right. phone to take this picture. So for me, it's like, man, I, I will live in these memories so much better if I only take a couple pictures. Mm-hmm. Having a, a phone instead helped me do that. I still took like a shitload of pictures. Oh, of course. Of course. If you scroll through my phone and, and all those pictures, it's like days worth of finger flipping the phone. So That's awesome. Man, go ahead. I was going to say, can you, uh, I can't remember what my, what that canopy is. Do you know what that is? Um, it's a seven cell. So Spe- oh, I'd never, I'd never jump to seven cell either. Spectre is a common seven cell. No. Triathlon. No. Uh, Storm is. Um, no. Uh, Pilot Seven wasn't no. out when you made this jump. I don't think. Oh, I think this this rigs about the Diablo. Years. Yes. Yeah. It's a Diablo. Oh yeah, yeah. Those are Diablo. Oh colors. my god! So pulled down on my toggle. Holy shit! It's like ah. Yeah. Because I've never, apart from that one canopy. Uh, reserve ride i've never flown a seven cell canopy i was just doing everything you shouldn't do on a skydive like all these different th- first things going wrong going on at the same time yeah a diablo uh, is, is an aggressive great. seven cell it was fun uh you know jp Fernari? i do uh do you know his handle online diablo pilot yes yeah and now you know where diablo pilot came from no yeah oh, that makes so much sense man jp's actually back in town and we've been a long time since we've had him on the show he's such a was he out of town uh, he yeah. was in town last time. God, he, shows how long I haven't been at the drop Well, zone. you've been around. I think he's in and out. He's a traveling pilot for Spaceland. Oh, okay. So he'll be here every rare now and then, but he's mainly on the road for us. Huh. And he's in town for the winter, and I'm keeping my fingers crossed. I think he's going to be resident Houston for the next year. Oh, fun. Which, A, I think, uh, I, I really hope. I like having JP around. He is such a, a great resource of information for me to, to talk to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I learned something from the newest jumpers to the most experienced jumpers. But at JP's level of experience and my level of experience, he's very good for somebody for me to. That's definitely a Diablo. Yeah, I remember yeah. it yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I saw this. Yeah, so um, JP's somebody I can bounce things off of and I can talk to and say, hey, bro, I'm thinking about this. And he's so critically minded in, in a negative and a positive way. He'll mm-hmm. say that same thing. Um, I love having him around, so I hope he sticks around for the next year. And I think yeah, he's he's always been a good dude to me. Yeah, I think he'd also like the stability of being able to be in one place for the year instead of traveling a lot. And he deserves it, man. He's I think you get to a point where that it's a lot more attractive. The the, the nomadic lifestyle is fun. I did it for a lot lot of years until I moved here and settled down. And you know, people now know me as you know I live out in the suburbs. I don't go out all that much, but. Before this, I mean, I, the longest I lived in one place was three years in London, and apart from that, I was a year here, a year there, you know, all over the place. Didn't want to, didn't want to stop, but it has a certain, certain point. It just becomes, you know, much more comfortable to do that. We grow up, we grow old. You can we still travel and do fun shit, as you can see. So. Yeah. So that kind of brings us back. We can do fun shit. One of the things that Sea Sky Surface has really been about is preserving that product, right. preserving Mother Nature. Mm-hmm. So wh- while we're still on skydiving, though, I'll show yeah, you this. Yeah. So this is a cool company. So there's all this. So one of the things I'm into is, well, not that I guess that I'm personally into, but um, upcycling, I suppose, is a, is one of the words that's being used. Um, so finding another use for an existing product. Because if plastic isn't going to go away, how else can we, we use it? So the Eco Bricks is one of the examples. 
Um, this is a cool company called uh, Levity. Um, they did a Kickstarter campaign recently, and I think they raised like $28,000 of, they wanted 25000 so it got funded. Um, I believe they're mainly doing hammocks and swings, um, but this is a travel pillow that they also make, um, and it's made out of uh, uh, parachutes, donated parachutes. So, and it actually says, I don't have the slip with me, but it actually tells you which parachutes it came from. So I remember that this outside section was actually ZP from a Sabre 2, and it told you who had actually sent that in to get okay. recycled. Um, and I think that's, that's pretty, pretty neat. That's pretty cool. And like the whole, the whole of it is like the, in, the inside is a bunch of little squares of, of canopy material and it's super comfortable too. Let me check that out. It's just cut up fabric. Um, you said upcycling. What's the other word that people use for upcycling? Um, repurpose. Oh, repurposing. Exactly. Repurposing. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a good one. Which I, I love to make fun of the word repurposing. You're just using it still. Yeah, you're it's just using <laughs> it still yeah. for something else. But I, I do, uh, I'm along. I, I like the idea. I saw Levity. I saw them. Mm -hmm. uh, I haven't seen any of the products yet, but there was also another company uh, quite a few years ago who actually would make jackets out of oh, parachute really? materials. Oh, fun! And um, there's a guy named Terry Adair, which I don't know. I don't think either one of you really know Terry. He'll come out, and every now and then he's wearing like an old Icarus. I forget what kind of canopy it was. Oh, that's awesome! But they also will have the warning label on uh -huh. the on it and whatnot. It's pretty cool. That's pretty. Awesome. So this is just the travel pillow. I thought earlier yeah. that you had the hammock in your hand. No, no, no. That's just a travel pillow. So that's yeah. one of the, they make the, I think they make a swing, a hammock and the travel pillow. And I think they make like a little sunglass pouch. There's a few little things like that. Yeah. It's, you know, one of the things I guess most jumpers will never see is most jumpers don't see the end of life of their canopy because mm -hmm. most of us, yeah, we jump them until we sell them on. But I do have a canopy in this closet behind Nick that's got 4,000 jumps on it and I won't sell it to anybody because... You really shouldn't use it. Valerie was lame. Same with that whole set from Belize. Am I, yeah. am I really going to sell that to somebody? You know, it, I paid 400 bucks for it. It's now got salt water in it. It clearly popped even on a belly jump. The, the, the flap is not strong enough. It needs work to it. it I actually had to have Rory Corrigan do some uh, harness work on it because, I mean, I'm five foot two. Now, I'm not as small as I used to be, but like I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm relatively small. And I... I put it on and my shoulders were basically touching at the back. I don't know who wore this thing. Tiny. It would only, that's got, I think it's a 109 in there. Um, and that was packed to the brim with a 109. So it's a tiny person that's got uh, quite a lot of jumps because they're jumping a relatively small ca canopy and it's older. So a newer jumper is probably not going to buy it. It's going to be a tiny little girl and that girl's not going to be, a new jumper that's buying a really old rig isn't going to be jumping a 109. I'm also so not going to let my friend buy a reflex. And there's that as well. Yeah. Now, when I found out, like I found out you were buying that reflex because I saw it in, uh, I, I forget who the rigger had it. If you, I forget someone what I saw. I, can't, I think someone in, uh, oh, it was at uh, Moab. Someone in Moab had it. So then I'm thinking, well, it's been yeah. jumped in sand and moon dust. For but when I remember well. you were getting that reflex, I was thinking like, what the fuck? Do you really want a reflex? <laughs> and then I found out what you were using it for. Right. I'm like, Okay, you're going to go do a real chill belly jump. You're going to use it once. Right. It's, it's, it's not a horrible rig, but you definitely don't want to free fly in that rig. You proved no, it on your belly jump, I barely right? want to belly jump in that. Yeah. I, wouldn't, I didn't even want to jump that onto yeah. land. Where I learned to skydive, all my instructors had reflexes. Really? And so my first Back rig... Back in the 70s? Or? 
fuck you. Um, Sick burn. Oh, Ooh. ow, that hurt, man. Uh, it was 97. <laughs> uh, and I actually said, that, man, I'm going to buy a reflex. And my buddy Steve Barker, who is the guy who also got me the sport, is like, no, you want to buy an Infinity. I said, but you guys all have reflexes. He's like, yeah, we got them for free because they were developed here. <laughs> um, and uh, he, he wasn't necessarily against the rig, but he fe- felt there were like a lot better rigs out there on the market. And mm-hmm. uh, Actually, he pointed me to Infinity, and I've jumped a lot of other rigs since. And man, to this day, I'd like to thank Velocity Sports Equipment for sponsoring Gravity Lab Radio, which uh, I actually silly. jump in Infinity as well. So yay, give yay. me free stuff. Um, man, uh, it's super cool, man. Velocity Sports Equipment has been doing a lot of great things, and uh, kind of an impromptu little discussion about them. But uh, they are actually in final testing of their Mard. They, uh, really? pe- they've talked, Infinity has talked about coming out with a Mard for many years, and a lot of people thought it was just a rumor. Um, I think Nick can very easily verify it is at final testing stages. They have a bunch of test jumps left to do, and once those test jumps are done, um, they can go for final certification. These are the last FA required things huh. done. Well, so, Infinity uh, will hopefully be releasing that new Mard soon. They also have a couple little other secret things they might be letting out. We'll see what's going on. We'll see what, what they do. So uh, we'll see what Infinity and that great mind Kelly Farrington is coming up with sometime in the near future. That sounds interesting. So, um, What can people do? How do people get to learn more about Sea Sky Surface? You did it right. I do. You saw me think about it, though. I know. You, it's, it's, uh, it's tough. I get it. I probably should have come up with something way easier to say. Um, so you can go to seaskysurface.com. Um, that actually has a lot of information about the company. And obviously, you can buy all the products that we currently sell. Um, from now until Christmas, everything is buy one, get one 50% off. So if you are looking for some little Christmas gifts, these are phenomenal, these produce bags. Um, so you get six six bags, I think, for uh, $11. So now if you buy two, you're going to get 12 for, what, 15 bucks, 16 bucks. Um the most of the stuff that I share is on the Instagram page, which mm-hmm. is the um, at Sea Sky Surface handle for Instagram. Um, we do giveaways there about, you know, usually about once a week, sometimes every other week. Um, you know, the the usual sort of tag a couple of people and like the like the like the uh, post. And we give away, you know, water bottles and um, the produce bags and jewelry. And so we have like these wooden uh, rings and all kinds of stuff. So the whole point really is for us to showcase the alternatives that are out there um i'm not going to become a millionaire from doing this at all that's not the point um it's more to get the ideas out there and that Mm -hmm. the the idea that there are alternatives um this like t-shirt that i'm wearing um is made from bamboo for example so the the clothing that we're doing is moving into um what alternatives to to plastics and we should probably get into fabrics in a second that yep that was that's a big area we should have got into Th- that's where we're going we'll go there okay yeah. um so we have these are made from bamboo or bamboo and organic cotton super soft um moisture wicking all the same um uh gosh the word same uh properties as, as polyester so wicks moisture you know feel me pretty soft huh um, we have hoodies that are made from recycled plastic bottles. So now you can actually manufacture a, a polyester from, from recycled plastic bottles. So that's kind of cool. Um, I think Nicole Black's been hopefully rocking her. She has been uh, rocking the shit out of her little her hoodie, jacket little hoodie, hoodie thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, she's like me. She gets freezing cold in the winter. So she's probably had about 17 layers on top of it. So it may not have been visible, but um, they're pretty comfortable. So we've got a few th- more things like that um, in the works. We've got some designs made for some... Um, like long sleeve, I call them fishing shirts, but you know, like 
the Columbia or um, all like the long sleeve UFP um, UV reflective type shirts that everybody mm-hmm. wears in the summer. So we have those being made right now, but they're made out of 95% bamboo, 5% spandex. Um, they're so comfortable. It's ridiculous. So they'll hopefully be ready in about eight weeks, nine weeks. First of all, if you're just listening to this as the podcast version on, on your phone, as normal on the show notes, we're going to have links to Sea Sky Surface Instagram, Sea Sky Surface Facebook, the website. So if you want to go to those places, uh, pretty easy. You've got Google people. You can do this shit, mm-hmm. but we're going to make it easy. The show notes will have it. But like, first of all, the wooden ring, man, what difference does a wooden ring make? I'm going to say nothing except for prompt intelligent conversations and that's the thing that you've mentioned is straw is the gateway drug it's the gateway the ring man wearing these things will get your friends talking about it Mm -hmm. and i'm gonna throw it straight back at you valerie and i have a large awareness of environmental friendly products but straight up seeing you do sea sky surface has elevated my awareness her awareness has reinvigorated some of our desires and some of our goals so people getting all I'm looking for. It's yeah. great to hear. The stupid wooden ring. Yeah, call it a stupid wooden ring, yeah. but we're talking about it. Right. But then I, w- I do want to go to, and you said I want to, we want to talk a little bit about textiles and whatnot and what the future holds because I mentioned to you, and I didn't realize, I, I thought you might have known this, but I didn't know you didn't realize this. But last week, Senate signed a, a new farm bill, and mm-hmm. today, today is Thursday, yeah. uh, today President Trump signed that bill, so this bill is now in effect, and I might get the numbers wrong, so uh, help me if I'm wrong, Nick, but something like $850 billion bill, and it's a subsidized farm bill, but inside that farm farm bill, it clearly legalizes use of hemp and farming hemp in the United States. Eight hundred and sixty-seven billion. Boom, man! I was, I knew, I, so I knew close. I was rounding. So I thought close. it was eight fifty-seven, so I, I was actually closer than <laughs> I thought. Um, but uh, hemp is is got some very questionable legal status in the United States to what it can and can't be used for. Mm-hmm. If you've listened to the show, you know I'm a huge advocate of CBD. Don't do drugs, kids. Don't do drugs. And so hemp is is now the clarity is there. Hemp is fully legal, and for those of you, and, and we joke about don't do drugs, hemp is derived from the cannabis sativa plant, which is the same plant that we use to smoke weed, smoke dope that has a THC content. But the hemp version has a is a no or extremely low THC content, like less than 0.3 percent. I think I, know, I think I know for CBD products. Mm-hmm. So hemp is first of all, I think, about to explode okay. in our in, in our industry uh, in our world. Um, the only real concern, because I don't know if you know this, hemp plastics they actually break down. Hemp plastics so they're are biodegradable. They're biodegradable because yeah. the they're on- plant based. Yeah. Yep. The only problem with hemp plastics is go look up what the lifespan of a hemp plastic bottle does and what how much it breaks down in the course of like a couple years. So you're not going to have like some of these long term storage things. Right. Um, I hate to admit this, but I definitely will own this because we live in a hurricane prone area mm-hmm. and we have a case of plastic. Of uh, we have two cases of plastic water in this closet right next to the bathroom. But I hope you're replacing it because it, it becomes, leaches. Yep. Well, I mean, do you know what we'll have to get into? We're going to run out of time, aren't we? But no, we're not. Go ahead. Okay. So the uh, plastic, it leaches BPA or mm-hmm. if it, it doesn't have BPA, some of them do, some of them don't now, but that's just one of the uh, issues with plastic bottles. Um, there is a huge or a growing infertility crisis among males now, and they're actually linking it back now to the use of plastics and water bottles being one of them. 
um, and leach Well, that just chemicals. makes me want to drink more plastic water bottles because I don't <laughs> want kids. <laughs> Sup it up. Sup it up. Um, so you have to be pretty careful. And I've always been taught, especially since I lived here, I was informed um, if you have a crate, of, I used to have a crate of water in my car because I used to, you know, work with my husband roofing. Um, and it was like, do not leave that in your car in the summer and then drink it after probably a few weeks. You've got to be really careful because the sunlight UV breaks it down so much quicker. And, uh, and also the heat, uh, the heat, correct. the heat as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. It gets ridiculous. Um, but the, the hemp water bottles are going to be huge. Hemp is a textile, hemp is yep. paper. Um, really, I, I wish I, I, I have a, okay level of knowledge when it comes to hemp product. Mm-hmm. Um, but people should really look into what those textiles and what's going to happen. I'm super excited because back to I'm a CBD fan, um, the FDA is now actually openly stated they are looking and they are going to change policies because the sale of CBD products interstates uh, between state to state is illegal, which is why it's hard to get CBD products in Texas mm-hmm. uh, through some companies. Uh, the FDA is about to change those policies to make the sale of CBDs interstate legal mm-hmm. um, and then uh, back to what it's going to be for products. But bamboo is what you're using a lot of. So bamboo is one of the products that um, that we use. Um, there are so many different types of material. So I guess to come back to why use um, other materials. So people, a lot of people don't understand this um, and it's completely understandable because I didn't either. But so most of the things that you wear are made out of polyester. Mm-hmm. Um, polyester has come a long way. Like if I say polyester to my mom, she thinks like, I know you hit, sorry, mom. No, my mom. wife says mom. Oh, okay. Her, her mom was Canadian. She's okay. passed away, but still uh, mom is a word in mom. our family. Um, mom and bum. <laughs> there bum, you go. bum. How do you get through this? <laughs> I don't. I just ignore a lot of things. Okay. I just keep going. So, um, <laughs> she, she when she thinks polyester, she thinks like scratchy, nasty, makes you sweat, horrible. Polyester is now everything you buy from you know, Lululemon, everything, all the active wear, the moisture wicking, sweat resistant, super super comfortable soft stuff. All polyester, fantastic product. Not gonna lie. Problem with polyester is it's a plastic. Wait, one, so therefore you throw it in a landfill. It doesn't go anywhere again. It's just there forever. Second issue being when you wash it, um, the fibers are released. Um, and I still need to do more research into this. Those fibers are released into water. I don't understand because people, they're finding them in the ocean. They are finding these fibers in the ocean. I don't understand how water that leaves your washing machine and goes through a treatment plant they're not catching the fibers there before they get into the ocean. That's what I haven't got wrapped my head around yet. It clearly is an issue because they're in the ocean. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not quite sure how they're getting there yet and if there's an, a way we can stop them. There's a product you can buy called a guppy bag or a guppy friend, which is essentially a big bag, mesh bag that you put all your clothes in and then wash that. But then I'm like, well, if it's fine enough, that it's going to stop fibers coming out. Is it fine enough to actually clean the clothes? So that's kind of my issue with that as well. But anyway, I digress. Um, that is weird. Yeah. Polyester is super cheap as well. Um, we have, we call it fast fashion now. So you've got places like Target, Walmart, um, H&M. You can go and buy a t-shirt for five bucks, um, wear it twice, throw it out. It doesn't matter. Um, the fashions change. You can buy a whole new wardrobe, super cheap each season. Um, if you're that way inclined, it's become a you know very common way of life. Um, the issue with that is, again, you're just constantly throwing all this plastic 
as clothing as polyester into landfills. Um, East Africa and several other developing countries now have actually implemented bans on importing donated clothing. So I have actually just cleaned my closet out. Um, I cleaned Mark's closet out as well. Um, we donate the we do do, do donate the clothes. Um, but apparently now there are these developing countries that are now not importing donated clothes because they feel that it's detrimental to the um, the growth of the com country because they won't produce things because they're just getting given them, as backwards as, th as that sounds. Um, I thought it was going to be because they were more environmentally aware than we were. <laughs> okay. You know, Rwanda actually banned plastic bags. Yeah, I had a list of, uh, there were a handful of countries that had the, the plastic bag ban. Let me pull that yeah. back up. It's pretty, um, it's a that it's, it's so, it makes so much sense. There's the ladies sitting there saying, our country's beautiful. We don't need them. Why would we use something that's going to ruin our, ruin our beautiful country? I'm like, yeah. Rwanda, China, Taiwan, Macedonia, Kenya. China. Yeah, China's on the list. Australia's really? on the list. Chile's on the list. Uh, one, uh, Karnataka, India is oh. on the list. These are banning plastic bags. Yeah. I don't understand the China one really then because I don't know. Uh, yeah, man, China's definitely not. I mean, maybe they make them and ship them all over the <laughs> world, but you can't go to the <laughs> store and get one. It's entirely. But it's, it's, it's possible that they, they say that they've banned the plastic bag, like they say that Tiananmen Square massacre didn't happen. So, you know, who knows? Sorry. Yeah, What's yeah. happening? I was like, <laughs> <laughs> so I was like wait. No, no. Who's up? <laughs> You were, uh, I, I was looking, states with plastic bag bans. Have you looked at that? I was just curious. So I think yeah, it's the, more cities, There were more yeah, cities yeah, than Seattle. states. Seattle. Austin tried and failed. Yeah, uh, There's a couple that. of places in California, I think, so maybe not Santa Barbara, but... Washington, D.C., San okay. Francisco, Seattle, Boulder. D.C. now, that's good. Portland, Maine. So anyways, uh, reusable, or excuse me... Uh, um, okay, um, so different... Sustainable fabrics. Sustainable fabrics, and, and, and part of it is, is bamboo. Right, so bamboo is... So you can have this argument, and you can be wrong every time. Um, so there are all these different alternatives. They've all got pros and cons. There's not, in my opinion, a right material yet. Um, so bamboo is super sustainable. You've, I'm sure you've seen bamboo plants. They grow like weeds. You can't get rid of them. You can cut them down, they grow straight back. I mm -hmm. think it's four years is the average time that you can harvest them they just keep growing back um if they there are two different ways to process them and this is normally the, the issue when it comes to even things like cotton they take a vast amount of water and chemicals to actually um, process them into a usable um, fabric mm -hmm. um, bamboo can be processed either mechanically or chemically if it is truly mechanically processed so it's just beaten to a pulp basically with machines um, until the the fibers are, are stretched out Super eco-friendly. Not many people do that because it's very labor-intensive, very expensive. Um, chemically, works way faster. It's way cheaper. Um, it is worse for the environment. I argue it's still better than polyester. Um, there is a product called Tencel, um, which is made from, uh, I want to say it's beech trees. Um, same thing, beech trees, super sustainable. Um, don't have to use as many chemicals with them. Don't have quite the same properties as bamboo. So bamboo acts the same as um, a polyester. It's moisture wicking. It will cool you in the summer. It'll keep you warm in the winter. Um, very, very strong. They're uh, anti antimicrobial, antibiotic, not antibiotic, antimicrobial. Um, super, super comfortable. When you say something's antimicrobial, 
microbial. Um, it kills bacteria in sweat. So polyester will do that if it's treated with stuff. So like one of those advantages of Under Armour. Correct. Okay. Um, there's a phenomenal product. I was trying to get this fabric and it's just not happening right now. Hopefully it will become more readily available called um, Umorphil or Umorphil. Never managed to speak to anyone at the company, so I have no idea how you say it. Um, it's made out of the collagen of fish scales. Um, yeah, roll with that one. Um, Grosses me out. It's pretty disgusting. There's so that they they're a company out of Taiwan. I've only ever managed to find one shirt that was made out of the stuff. There's one supplier out of Canada who sells it into the U.S. They've actually stopped selling it now because people weren't buying it because it was so expensive. But it was that. Um, that kind of shiny UV material, um, super UV um, protecting. It was like UPF 50 or something. Bionic peptide amino acid polyester. There you go. Made out of fish scales. Um, if you try and read the rest of the website, it makes pretty much zero sense, though. It's yeah, I was just yeah. noticing that. Mm -hmm. I, as I, I typed in, uh, I don't know how you say this word again. Umorphil, umorphil. Umorphil, yeah. yeah. There's uh, a couple of must-be Taiwanese characters that <laughs> popped up in, in the Google yeah. search and takes me to the yeah. to the Taiwan internet, so it I'm very says lost. It, says <laughs> it, it, ha it has nice, nice soft-touch feel, I think, is one of the expressions <laughs> which you use quite a lot. So like my mom. <laughs> See? There's another one. Goodness. I don't chase that yeah, one. But no, we're just going to just leave. Let's try just keep, keep trucking. My sister laughs trying. when she hears those, though. Oh, really? Hey, Debbie. <laughs> Love <laughs> you. You just made her night. Oh Miss you so goodness. much. There's um, one that I haven't read up on too much recently, but um, you can actually <laughs> make uh, a, synthet a, synthet a synthetic, a natural fiber out of milk protein. Um, so milk that's been rejected for uh, human consumption can actually have the, the protein stretched out into fibers. It's crazy. The stuff that you can make now is just nuts. I can wear a shirt made of cheese. You can basically got milk all over your shirt now. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it is amazing. And, and back to, I really am curious to see what happens with hemp because the, the legalization yep. of, of hemp farming in America, and I think that was where the biggest problem in America has been with hemp is, is the farming of it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it had a bad rap as well because I think when I, even when I think of hemp material now, you think of that thick, scratchy, hippie, yes woven material and um i've had some samples of some some hemp materials recently and it's it's super soft like they've it's come a long way since uh since the old scratchy plant basement that was like the original i think plant-based yeah. type hippie material and everyone was like oh. so i'm curious that brings me right back to the bamboo you say there's the mechanical and the chemical breakdown of bamboo yeah is the mechanical going to be a less fine or soft touch feel fabric compared to the chemical version i haven't compared the two i've got to be honest which um, one is that this is, it's chemical. Like, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm completely upfront there. I'd say 99% of everything you get that is bamboo is going to be chemical just because the economies of scale are not there yet to make mechanical viable. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, this is going to be chemical, but everything, I mean, cotton is chemically produced. That's, you know, just you buying your regular cotton t-shirt. It's, it's, you know, I'm fighting the battle against plastics, um, so it's one of those things. I, I agree. It's it's not a perfect material, but it's it's again. It's one of those gateway gateway drugs. Like if mm. I say bamboo to you, you've got a general idea of what I'm talking about, and you're like, oh, that's pretty cool. If I say modal or or tensile or, or something, you're like, what the fuck? Yeah, I'm like, I don't really understand what that is. Yeah, guys and gals, as you listen to this, I th I hope you really understand and you receive uh, Alex's message. The biggest thing that you're preaching and promoting is not elimination; it's right. reduction. It's you cannot 
be perfect. I am not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not asking anyone to just stop using everything plastic. It's not possible. There are so many applications where plastic is the only viable option at this point. It's just, what can we do to make a little bit of a difference to make the place that we play, the place that we call home, the place that we love, because it's so freaking beautiful. How do we keep it that way? Because we're not the last ones to use this planet. You know, we're hopefully giving it on to the next generations. And it makes me really sad to think that the stuff that I see when I'm scuba diving or um, hiking may be ruined, you know, and that it would be our fault. And we're going to get judged by future generations by, like we judge doctors in the 50s that encouraged people to smoke because it was stress relieving. Like, how could you be so stupid? You know, it's the hindsight is how could you not realize plastic wasn't going anywhere? How, why did you keep using it? You know, I can just see that happening in the future. We've only been using it for 100 years. Mm -hmm. we, we, we don't have to think about the lifespan of this planet. We don't have to argue about how old this earth or this, this society is. We mm -hmm. can just look at plastic spin around. I didn't realize 1907 was the first use. I, that, I thought right. that was newer than that, but so 100 years. Uh, it was Bakelite, which I think is yeah. one of the original, which was the... Um, the old phones, which not like a, even before the rotary phones, the ones that you would just pick up and be connected to the switchboard, those, the old radios, um, and the kind of original Tupperwares, which are now like super collectible if it was Bakelite. Um, then the 30s, all the plastic production basically went to the military because of the, the war. Mm -hmm. um, and then after that is when it really became... Um, mainstream was or they had all this plastic production and the war was over and it's like cool what can we do now and that's when you real Tupperware and a TV and a radio in every home and TV dinners and you know everyone can have everything that they need and you know the social mobility went shooting through the roof um, you could have it was it was limitless you know the the possibilities were, were limitless of what you could do with this this incredible product which was basically indestructible and had they said a thousand uses I mean it's got more than a thousand uses um, it really was a miracle product when you think of what they had then. Um, but the ability to look into, it's the same as anything, you know, it's going to change. But the ability to look forward into the future and realize what the, the implications for the planet, unfortunately, were not there. Um, so I say, I just really say plastic production 50s onwards in everyday usage. So maybe the last 70 years. Man. We've done that much damage in 70 years. Mm -hmm. How much more damage could we do in 70 years from now? Or how much damage could we save? Absolutely, we're going to continue to have some of these issues. Uh, we're sitting here, and as we sit here, there's three monitors going on right now, all with plastic frames. There's two computers going on, probably built heavily with plastic. There, mm -hmm. There's a lot of plastic that exists. But at the same time, if we can reduce it just by having some of these simple bottles. And man... The Sea Sky Surface uh, water bottle is actually, Valerie and I use a lot of reusable water bottles, mm -hmm. and this is definitely one of the nicer ones that we'll have, man. I really like this one a lot, so thank you so much You're for it. You're very welcome. Um, that, there's so many other questions and conversations <laughs> I want to have. and I, I, I can't believe that's been two hours. That's I told crazy. you it would go you by crazy. You did tell me. Yep, you did tell me. Um, I, I firmly believe that Sea Sky Surface is going to continue to grow. Uh, we're going to continue to support it, and I hope in the next couple years we can learn more about this and share more with our friends. As we close out the night, anything else you want to share with the people listening? Um, I'd just like to reiterate that, you know, it's, uh, it's just the small things. If you can just make, challenge yourself just to make one small change uh, before the end of the year. Um, be it, you know, switch to 
reusable bags or try and remember to take those reusable bags to the store or take your own coffee cup. If you, if you have to have Starbucks or coffee from outside your house, just take your own cup. They'll fill it up for you. They have no issue with that. Um, just Google a little bit. See the easy swaps you can make. If you want to get more into it, you can switch your shampoo out for shampoo bars, switch your hand pump soap for bars of soap, or just if you're going to buy like little small hand pumps, buy the massive bottle and refill them. Just anything you can do, like make it a competition like between you and a family member. Like how else, what are the little change can we make? Uh, but don't beat yourself up. Like if, you know, if you've got a, if you're stuck out and you're falling asleep, you need an espresso, go buy yourself an espresso in that plastic <laughs> cup. You're not going to go to hell for it. You know, keep living your life. Keep getting outside. Keep enjoying the world and just try and just make it a little bit of a better place. Man, shampoo bars. I, I'm amazed. Mm-hmm. I've been using uh, bar shampoo for my beard yeah. huh. for a long time, not in any plastic-friendly idea. It just happened to work out. And oh, my God. Mm-hmm. They're better products. Mm-hmm. They, they really are. Guys and gals, uh, please try something. Make that little bit of a difference. Nobody is going to be perfect. And please don't judge each other and be assholes about it. But uh, at the same time, don't be afraid to remind your friends. Don't be afraid to use these renewable products, reusable products, resourceable products, um, upsourced products, everything else we want to call them. Make that little bit of a difference. Man, the future really is ours to make and ours to mold. Mr. P, we closing out, buddy. What (laughs) else you got? I got nothing. Get a vasectomy. Don't have kids. Save the world. Guys, gals, this has been Gravity Lab Radio. Blue skies, nix it, and some oh, funky music. It, oh my god, we go. got it. We're out of here. I need some Nyquil. Give me some Nyquil. Quick.